So one of the jurors in the Derek Chauvin trial gave an interview yesterday morning. In the interview, she said, I was worried that everybody would be mad or, you know, no matter what the verdict was. And I said, this is close as we're going to get to an admission that the riots played a role. Later in the afternoon, another interview came out where she was straight up like, I didn't want to go through riots and destruction again. And I was scared someone would come to my house in retaliation. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's dramatically different. That's an outright statement. Because you ain't seen no Trump supporters going around burning things down over the Chauvin verdict. We know what she was scared of. And so this is, I got to say, this is going to be their appeal. They go to a judge. They say, look, here's what, the, here's what the jurors were thinking. They should have sequestered the jury. They should have moved venue. And we're going to talk about this. We've got a bunch of other stories. We're going to talk about a lot of woke, wokeness in movies. And uh, we're going we're, we're to do it. We're going to talk about the Falcon and Winter Soldier again. Because I just watched the finale. And it is not woke. It is pro-America. And I thought it was great. It's strangely pro-nationalist and anti-Antifa. It's just so weird to see people ragging on it and thinking it's far left or whatever. But we'll talk about it because it's deliciously centrist. Now, I could do all that work. I'm going to take the night off because we got someone here who can handle <laughs> it for me. We got Michael Knowles. So thanks for having me. It's great to it's be here. I'll, I'll great. You, guys, uh... you know, I, I think I saw like one and a half of Marvel movies once. So I think I'm an expert. I can pontificate on the whole universe. And uh, I haven't seen the movies you're talking about, but I'll, I'll just talk about it. It's fine. Oh, that's yeah, never yeah, stopped yeah. me before. That's, so. that's, that's, I think that's uh, indicative of the cable news, you know, pundit <laughs> yeah. class. So you should be fine. That's great. You'll get, yeah. you'll get a job at CNN, no yeah. problem. <laughs> They'll be like, I like what this guy does. He doesn't do any research and then talks. That's perfect for CNN. That's like me. We got. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Ian. What Marvel yeah. movies did you see? Marvel movie and a half. So I saw, I had to go see the Endgame movie. My friends dragged me to that. Yeah. I saw it. I didn't like it, but I saw it. And I, I saw part of one of the Captain Americas. And it was actually pretty good. I don't, I'd actually, uh, it was the, the winter one. Winter, winter Soldier, Soldier. Winter Soldier. I saw that one was okay. But generally speaking, there are a few superhero movies I like. I liked uh, Dark Knight. I liked yes. Logan. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they're not really superhero movies. Right, those those are kind of the exceptions. Logan's just a western, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not I, like I was thinking. I'm not like a real cool guy, you know. Like I don't I don't see all the cool Marvel movies. I don't wear a beanie. I was thinking I was gonna wear a beanie you here should. today. Oh, you should. Do you? Th- so the problem. Uh, all right, I'll just show it. This is not going to look good. <laughs> My head was not was not built for a beanie. So when I, I put it in kind over of, your headphones. Uh, over my, headphones. Yeah, I want to don't. My head. It it's a MAGA beanie. It looks, uh, I know, I love that. I it's mean, Sh- it's Seamus's fault. I could turn it into like a, uh, like a headband, like an 80s headband. Yeah, but yeah. otherwise, otherwise my head just looks like a peanut. So that's <laughs> it. I can't be a cool guy and I've accepted my lot in life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I feel like I derailed what you were going to say. You're not a cool guy, but something yeah. cool mm-hmm. or, uh, Education. No, that was it. That oh, was all of it. That was the whole point. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> there's Ian, and then there's me in the corner pushing buttons. This is going to be a really fun show. I'm excited for our cultural commentator here. This should be great. So before we get started, go over to TimCast.com, become a member, and get access to exclusive members-only segments. You just go to the website. You click members only. It should be very easy. And then you see this thing over here. It's like, hey, look at that. You can become a member. We're working on making the site and getting new payment options and everything. But for the time being, so, you know, here's how you do it. You then go over to click members area, and you'll see we got a bunch of really awesome segments. I've been shouting out the segment we did with Charlie Ladoff because, you know, Charlie was this really funny guy. He's a great guest. He's very smart. He's got a ton of integrity. Everybody was, like, super stoked to see him on. He's this amazing reporter. And then we do this bonus segment with him, and all of a sudden he gets like real somber, and he's like, "Let me tell you some of these stories about you know being on the ground during 9/11." Man, he told me some stuff that sent chills down my spine of what some of these 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 journalists and reporters do. No joke. So 
Go to TickMaster.com. Check out, check out stuff. And uh, I, I think we'll, uh, you'll, you, you're around for a, for a bonus segment, yeah? We could do it. I'll be around all night. I got oh, nothing else. Nothing I, else going I on? I got a drink and a cigar waiting for me at the hotel. Oh, Otherwise, excellent. I'm yours. Nice. Well, let's talk about this, uh, let, let, this story. I'm sure many people are probably already familiar with this because this actually came out yesterday afternoon. But I thought it was uh, important enough to, to kick off the conversation. And, yep. and I'll just say, I mean, we were already having a, pr- a pretty crazy philosophical conversation before things got, got started. But let's talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter, these riots. For those that haven't seen the news, we have this from KARE11. Quote, I wish it didn't have to happen. Alternate juror reflects on Derek Chauvin trial. Now, the first and most important thing is she didn't know she was an alternate. She was in the trial the same as everyone else, treating exactly the same as any other juror. It was only once they announced deliberations, he said, juror 96 and juror, you know, so-and-so, you're our, you, you are our alternates. You can go. And that's what she was like, okay. So her, her, her mentality, I believe, is indicative of the, the, the views of many of the other jurors. However, to be fair, this is the juror who lived in Brooklyn Center where the Dante Wright riots were happening. Yeah. She literally had to drive through the riots mm-hmm. on the way to court. We have this, uh, so this is an interview, and we have this, uh, let, me, let, let, me just, let me just read. Raguse, the, the, the journalist says, quote, did you want to be a juror? And the juror says, I had mixed feelings. There was a question on the question. There was a question on the questionnaire about it. And I put, I did not know the reason at the time was I did not know what the outcome was going to be. So I felt like either way, you're going to disappoint one group or the other. I did not want to go through rioting and destruction again. And I was concerned about people coming to my house if they were not happy with the verdict. Do you think this lady reasonably feared Trump supporters or conservatives rioting and showing up at her house? I think she feared insurrectionists. Yeah. And I know that we're supposed to believe that Trump supporters are the insurrectionists, but uh, we did see an insurrection last year. We saw it go on for months. We saw it go on not just in one city or two cities. It went on around the country. It didn't just target government buildings. It targeted private businesses and private citizens, resulted in deaths, arson, terrorism. What else do you call it? Terrorism is when you target civilians to achieve a political end. And uh, look, I get why she feared it. I mean, there was a Babylon Bee headline <laughs> right before the verdict came out. It said uh, the jurors read their last will and testament. <laughs> before they, because, of course, and, and so should this have led to a mistrial, right? That was the big question. Yep. Maxine Waters calls for riots. Joe Biden later on. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt. Maxine Waters incited insurrection. Carry on. Yes, I'm sorry. Incited an insurrection. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden, same thing. He he put his thumb on the scales for the for the jury, and ultimately they go to convict him because they they wouldn't rule a mistrial. You remember the judge said, "Well, hey, this is bad. You know, I wish Waters didn't do that." But uh, anyway, it's okay. They're probably not reading the news, so we're not going to have a mistrial. But I bet you got something on appeal. So what he's saying when he says, "I bet you got something on appeal," he's saying. I should declare a mistrial, but I'm too cowardly because I don't want them to burn down my house. And so here's my my only point on it is, okay, this juror comes out and says, yeah, I was terrified of the mob killing me and burning down my city. Um, Why is the the judge on the appeal going to feel any differently than the judge during the trial going to feel any differently than the jurors? Everyone's afraid of this terrorist left-wing mob because they not only are making the threats, they're credible threats because they already did it and they already got away with it. It's terrorism. And the funny thing is they're bragging about it on Twitter. Yeah. There's a meme right now. So I, I tweeted, uh, what did I, I tweeted something like, I, I said like, holy S, you know, and a quote from the, the lady saying, I didn't want to go through the riots. And some leftists post a meme where it's, you know, the, the, the guy sweating and the two buttons. Yeah. And it said, violence doesn't solve anything. The riots yeah. caused the Chauvin verdict. I'm like, you're celeb- you're, you're encouraging yeah. the right to get violent? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to tell people not to get violent because 
You don't want violence. And here you have the left gloating and bragging that they engaged in acts of terrorism. Yeah. I'll tell Successfully. You what, what's scary, though, is I, I guess, for one, I, I don't really think it's a conservative and liberal thing. Mm. I think the issue is I often describe it as politically initiated and uninitiated. Mm. So why is it that, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly moderate kind of, you know, left-leaning libertarian type, and we're laughing and agreeing. It's because we both know that no true facts. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably some things we, we disagree on in terms of what we think may be real, yeah. but as individuals who are discerning of the news and seeking out the truth, we both know certain facts. Yeah. The riots exist. They terrify people. It's for a political goal. We might disagree on policy, yeah. but we agree on what's happening in this country. But most of these liberals and these people who are voting for Democrats have no idea. Hmm. They don't pay attention. So, In their defense, by the way, Tim... <clears throat> Let's just take that story that happened, what, two days ago in Columbus where the cop shot the girl who was stabbing the other girl? About to stab. I'm sorry. Teenage yeah, about. Night. It was It was just all well and good. That kind of, you know, you're a kid. You. There's have, no way to know if she was really going to stab. You don't know. It's a little innocent yeah. shanking between friends. And <laughs> so if you were just a regular American, right, a regular kind of liberal American, you don't watch your show, you don't watch my show, you're, you're you know, maybe you don't watch podcasts. Maybe you watch network news, which is still the way millions of Americans get their news. And you watch NBC and you watch Lester Holt's broadcast, the nightly news. You would not have seen the knife. They, he, they edited out the knife. They played the clip. The, the girl is about to shank the other girl. They freeze the frame, but keep the audio going. So the knife is out of the frame. Wow. And all you hear is bang, 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 bang. The girl goes down. And then in the news report, they say, and the, the police officers say she was holding a knife. A knife was later found on the ground. No, it was And they show a picture of the knife on the ground. On the ground. Yeah. On yeah, the yeah. ground. So it's not, not their fault that they're being lied to. So I, I think I talked about this last week. There was a, a clip from Mike.com. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm at a Trump rally in Janesville, Wisconsin. This is back in like 2015 or 2016. This young woman was arguing with, a, with an older man. And everyone's raucous and in a crowd. And she's yelling, he touched my breast, he touched my breast. And the old guy has his hands up saying, I did not touch you, I didn't touch you. Yeah. She punches him in the face. And then someone else pepper sprays her. Mike.com added a flare as if they were doing an edit. Because it, it, and it was the weirdest thing ever. She goes, he touched my breast, he touched my breast. And then the screen flashes white to cover up the punch and then it shows her getting pepper sprayed and the story they run is woman sexual you know teenager is sexually assaulted and then pepper sprayed by trump supporters right, right. and i'm like oh, yeah man that's the news we get and the problem is you know my pal andrew clavin makes this point a lot when we read the news or we watch a news story about something that we know about we we can look at it and say hmm yeah that doesn't sound right to me uh, no, I actually know that's not true. Now, I actually have my own lion eyes here, you know, and I knew that that was not true. But then when we get to another story where we don't, I don't know, Iran or something, right? Something I don't, where I'm not an expert on. We just take their word for it. We, the, the thing we know about, we know they're lying to us, but then the rest, oh, who knows? That's the Gelman amnesia effect. Yes. Have you heard the, that's, so there was a guy who said uh, he was going to uh, name it after two smart people so it sounds official. <laughs> so I don't know, I, I, I don't know, I don't remember who actually coined the phrase, but. Man, it's it, it 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 rings true. Iran yeah. is a really great example. When I see CNN say something like, you know, Hezbollah has done this, I just go like, I guess, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then I watch them talk about the riots. I'm like, peaceful protesters burned down the city, and I'm like, it must have been peaceful. Yeah, am I? Yes, yeah, is Hezbollah good? I don't. I don't. No, I don't. I don't think that's the case. But but who knows what they're lying about? You know. Right. Yeah. And so when it, especially when it comes to foreign policy, does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. 
That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yeah. We get into wars because of it, because the American people are just, I guess I just trust it. And so that, that, that's kind of why I, I think the easiest example of this is true. The real political divide, or one, I shouldn't say the real, but this, one of the strongest is, yeah. do you actually pay attention to the world, worldly affairs? Because you and I will disagree on politics, yeah. but we agree on what's happening the, with the world, which allows us to, you know, applying a standard American moral framework, come to similar conclusions on what should or shouldn't be. Yeah. And, and there's also, if you really want to get woke to the political scene, one has to recognize there is a difference between how the government is supposed to work and how the government works on paper and how the government actually works and the kind of real ruling establishment. And and actually, the right wing is finally waking up to this a little bit when, you know, for 20 years, the right wing talked about how there's the, you know, the public and the private and the government and business and, you know, public government bad, private business good. And yeah, maybe this woke multinational corporation is undermining our entire country and culture. But but they're good. They're good. <laughs> company, give money to company, give tax cut to company and government. Even though the government is an expression of our own political wills through through our elected representatives, we hope when it's working bad, right? But now, what is Google? Is Google, Google's a private company? No, we were by squishy Republicans. We were told Google's a private company for a long time. That doesn't seem that private to me. When when three billionaire oligarchs control the flow of information in a republic where speech is politics, right? It's the same thing. The way we govern ourselves is we persuade one another of things. If three companies are controlling that, that, practically speaking, is the government. You know, I, I go back and forth on this sometimes depending on the news, depending on, you know, how it's, it's hard to gauge whether we are winning or losing. And by we, I mean the people who believe in individual rights, free expression, and uh, I guess... I think we're Cla- losing. Classic. You, think, you think we're losing? <laughs> I don't want to bring down everything here. But design. I, well, I you know, but, so, you know, there was a funny comment earlier. Someone in the chat said they saw Michael in the title and they were hoping for malice, but they got Knowles instead. Real nice. They're like, Knowles chatter. is okay. It's okay. Real nice, guys. But, but you know, Michael Malice is of the opinion that we're winning. Yeah. That, uh, and there's, there's, there's good reasons to think so. Like YouTube just relaxed its rules yeah. on uh, community guidelines and monetization. Some of them give people pause, like you're now allowed to show police brutality videos and monetize them, which is, you know, they think that's, that's actually the other direction. It, it, it popularizes the myth of police going on hunting, minorities right. and things like that. Right. But they also have now opened it up to, you know, more adult-themed content, to put it mildly, like news coverage, very serious you hmm. know, issues, swearing even. And so maybe that's a movement in the right direction. I wonder, though, if some of the relaxation is just because the election passed. This, this is why. The, the election's over. They're always really nice to us when it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> you know. But when it really does matter, they. I mean, I think we actually did see them cross the Rubicon during the, or shortly after the election during the litigation, where some hipster Rasputin, this guy with the nose ring in Silicon Valley, deplatformed the duly elected sitting president of the United States. Regardless of what you think happened in the election, the guy's the president. And this oligarch took him out and he could take him out and it wasn't just him they all worked in concert with one another and i i sort i mean this is actually a a lot of the topic of my my book my second book but my first book with words which is called speechless and it's it's about this this problem of free speech what is it you know i think 
it gets back to your point, Tim, which is so right. The reason that I think we keep losing ground and we lose ground, and maybe they pat us on the head and they're nice to us when it doesn't matter, but we still keep losing, is because we are only thinking about ourselves. <laughs> We're only thinking about this individualist, hyper-individualist ideology. We're only thinking about the debate as one between free speech and censorship, when I don't think it's I think it's a debate between competing sets of standards. And it, it actually leads us into a trap. This, I think conservatives fall for this trap. I think the left understands free speech way better than conservatives do. I think we kid ourselves when we pretend that we understand it better. And the, the trap is this. Political correctness tries to destroy the old order. That's all it wants to do. It wants to, all the old rituals, all the old, it wants to get rid of it. And conservatives react one of two ways. Either this, we go along with it. That's what the squishes do. And they say, oh, who cares? Oh, the it's, not, the squ- it's not a big deal. <laughs> Actually, drag queen story hour is a blessing of liberty. Oh, no, yeah, whatever. You know, it's that kind of thing. And then, but the second way we respond, which I think we, we've probably all fallen into this camp at various times, myself certainly included, is we'll say, okay, I, no, I'm not going along because I'm a free speech absolutist. I'm a free expression, whatever, absolutist. And so... No one can ever tell me that this is better than that or this is more true than that. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. And so you disavow standards altogether. Either way, either way, the radical leftists get what they want. I think I am one of the worst possible things for conservatives in the long run in that. <laughs> and I've, I've, I've maintained this for years. They like, so when I first started doing YouTube. Yeah. The people at Google that I was working with were like their liberal, you know, liaisons and stuff. And I know a lot of people at Google. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually they started calling me a centrist. I was, I was, you know, and they say, you know, you're changing. And I'm like, my videos from 2014 are of the same opinion. I did a video in 2014 about, you know, a segregated graduation ceremony. That was wrong. I think we yeah. should segregate. Yeah. My opinions are relatively the same. In fact, I've become more liberty minded. Yeah. And actually I took the political compass test. I'll actually move further to the left ideologically. Yeah. But they keep calling me. They first they say Tim's oh Tim's a liberal he's not a progressive then they say he's a centrist yeah now they're calling me right wing you're a fascist you're well a... so well they've never they don't call me fascist right this is why not I say yet, I'm, yet, I'm one yeah. of the worst things for conservatives I think the reason why YouTube likes what I do and I have a good go of things when they ban conservatives they want to make sure that conservatives stay on platform and so there has to be something that's semi acceptable to some conservatives. There are a lot of people who are conservatives yeah. who, like, I disagree with Tim, but, you know, I'll watch his show. Yeah. But what happens yeah. when they get rid of Crowder? Right. Then the people who are on who are on YouTube who remain will be like, I'll still watch Tim, but then they're going to get a more liberal viewpoint. That's rotating the yeah. wheel and spinning and pushing the Overton window to the left. I don't literally think I'm the worst thing for conservatives. I think we do wow. good work here to try and be fair to everybody. But they're trying to rotate the wheel so that centrist becomes far right. And actual liberals become conservative and then... That is so perceptive. I mean, because basically what what you're seeing happening in real time is what Reagan said. I didn't leave my party. My party left me. You're seeing that happen to you. But you're also, you're self-aware enough to realize they're doing it with you. <laughs> you yeah. you uh-huh. actually are the evidence of that Overton window shifting. And And, well, that's the point, though, is the Overton window, right? Which is, I think that sometimes conservatives, and I've been guilty of this myself years past... We pretend that there is a thing, total, absolute, 100% free speech. That's the American way, isn't it? No, it never has been. It never will be. There have always been broad swaths of speech in America that you're not allowed to say. Sedition, fraud, fighting words. Why? And why? Obscenity, actually, is a really big George one. George Carlin. 
George, yeah, seven words you can't say on TV. Seven words you can't say on TV. Now you have to say those words yeah, on TV. Yeah. But why were you not allowed to say those things? Because all of those things, fraud, obscenity, are speech that undermines speech, at least in the understanding of the Founding Fathers and, I think, of the smartest people on this issue for all time. In the 1950s, you'd get canceled for being a communist. Today, you will get canceled for not being a communist. There's always going to be some kind of canceling. There are always going to be things you can't say and you can't do. But look at how that has shifted. Look at the way that... In in the 1950s, if you burned an American flag, you might be taken up on the Smith Act. What was the Smith Act? Smith Act was an anti-communist act. Uh, But, you know, we've had these sorts of bills going back to the founding. Not, Not particularly with communism, but with all sorts of subversive ideologies. Today... If you you could go out, you could burn a flag in the streets, and the left has gotten the conservatives to defend that, to celebrate that. Nothing more American than burning the American flag. That's <laughs> that's a big cultural victory for the left. But you know, here's the thing: I've always been a liberal, and I think people have a right to free speech. So long as it's their own property, they can burn it. Yep. Now, like I said, they're trying to call me a conservative. Yeah, right. The people right. on Twitter are like, "Tim's a right winger. You right wingers." Now, the funny thing is, I got called left by a right-wing outlet and right by a left-wing outlet. And so I just, like, screenshot it and put it on Twitter. And I'm like, I have found the singularity. <laughs> like, people don't realize centrism exists. And they think centrism is, like, agreeing with the worst parts of, like, you know, the left and the right. Yeah. No, it's, like, agreeing that some people on the right have it right and some people on the left have some good points. There's but, something very conservative, by the way, about centrism. Like, I don't mean I'm, I'm slightly to the right of Genghis Khan, but yeah, there's, yeah. there's something really something really Burkean, something really conservative about centrism. It's, it's actually what I... I tried to do this. This was kind of the beginning idea for my book is I wanted to take the left-wing intellectuals seriously. Because, you know, we do this all the time on the right. We say, oh, you know, the critical theorists there, I hate them. Or Marx or, you know, Gramsci or whoever whoever it is, Marcuse, right? But no one actually engages with them. And the, the thing about those guys, those radical left theorists, is they're super duper intelligent mm. which is why they, they've been so successful yeah, and we keep losing you know I, I love quoting Marx when I can to like prove points about like liberty for instance yeah, yeah to be honest there's only one I can actually reference and it's under no pretext shall arms and ammunition be surrendered yeah the working class should uh, uh, should um, frustrate this by force if necessary yeah and so I tweeted under no pretext shall the right to keep and bear arms be infringed with a picture of an M16 on a trans flag. Because I'm like, <laughs> freedom, liberty, and guns. There is no que- If Marx were alive today, he would be on the alt-right. There's no question about it. He, he would. I'm serious. I'm not even joking. I mean, there's, what, no, you're right. He's going to be right. like a Biden liberal establishment no. neoliberal. I don't think so. No, buddy. he was racist. <laughs> yeah, right. and yeah. Uh, and yeah. he was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. He didn't really, and he really didn't like the Jews, even though he, he was. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's he was, yeah. he, he's he's a racist anti-Semite who believed in owning guns. <laughs> it's, it's closer to alt right than you're going to get yeah, anybody on the left. Actually, you know, we were talking about Seamus from Freedom Tunes because he was just here, but he has a, a very, very popular cartoon you may have seen where the woke left, desperate to stop the Nazis, use a time machine to bring World War II soldiers to the future. Yeah. And then when they try explaining <laughs> to them what's happening, the soldiers, they're, they're, uh, so they're like, you know, our president is a fascist. And then they give him a brochure. And then the World War II soldiers go, oh, my, what? Your president supports gay marriage. 
It's like the World War II but, soldiers were ridiculously conservative. Yeah, well, certainly by the, I mean, by the standards of today, like Will and Grace was ridiculously conservative. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, right, they, right, because right. because Hemingway describes this in Sun Also Rises. He's talking about how you go bankrupt. He says, "How'd you go? How'd you go bankrupt?" And the guy says, "Gradually, then suddenly." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we, you know, we've kind of gone through this gradually period, which is I don't know, the 60s, 70s, 80s. It seems to me like we are very much in the suddenly phase. I mean, just think about it. We went from Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton saying marriage is a sacred bond between a man and a woman to if you don't castrate your child, you're a bigot. Come on, trans the kid's bigot. We did that in like six years or something. This is, this is where I think an interesting thing happens. You're substantially more conservative than I am, but I as a, you know, as far as... I, traditional American liberal over the past couple decades yeah. have a red line on what I think doesn't doesn't make sense. So I was a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, and, what yeah. It, and what did Tulsi Gabbard say? She said safe, legal, but rare when it right. came to abortion. Right. And so that was where the, the liberals were 10 years before. So something happened, and I think it has a lot to do with social media, where, well, it's a combination of things, but I do think social media played a huge role in the rapid leftization, or whatever you want to call it, yeah. of the establishment to where, like, some I I, I I voted for Obama the first time yep. because of the war issue. I didn't vote for, for, vote for him the second time. Mm-hmm. I consider myself to be, you know, younger, anarchy, leftist, got older, kind of learned some some things, and then was like, I'm a liberal. Yeah. Then I got older, and I was like, actually, I should open my mind and listen to, you know, people of all different backgrounds. And I see these things happening with, like, uh, it was the, I think Michelle Wolf is her name, the comedian. Yeah. Where yeah. she goes on her Netflix show, and she goes, you get an abortion, and yeah. you get an, And I was like, that scares me. Yeah. Because, like, the argument— that I understood growing up from a very liberal family was safe, legal, rare. Yeah. Like it was, it was supposed to be like a medical thing where your doctor is, is here to, to help you. And but you know why it changed. And I actually have sympathy for the left on this as to why it changed because everybody recognized that, you know, it's abortion is not a thing you want. <laughs> you, you don't want more of it, right? I mean, everybody, even if you, you support legal abortion, you don't, you don't like go celebrate it. Uh, but they, but they do now. And it, it's because. The legal and rare issue uh, raised this question of what is an abortion. If it has any moral similarity to murder, then it shouldn't be legal. If it if it isn't morally similar to mur- murder, then there's no reason for it to be rare. And I, I think they couldn't stand the kind of gnawing shame of that. And, and there's a lot of different places the shame could come from. And they couldn't – it had to be – never with the left do they merely want you to tolerate them. Never do they merely want you to accept them. You must affirm them. You must validate every single desire that they want. And so very quickly, on a whole host of issues, not just abortion, you go from, hey, I have this disordered desire, please just tolerate it, to if you don't take your kids to watch me do this thing and you don't put it on Nickelodeon shows, then you're a bigot and there's no true equity in the world. Or there was the the, the dad in Canada who got arrested for not using the proper pronouns for his... Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Child, child, yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> that's I'm, the safe I'm like, way to say. It. Well, no, because I don't know. I don't know what the uh, the actual gender of the child is because yeah. depending on which source you read, they'll say something different. So you know, you, you you'll read the New York Times and it'll say the man's daughter, 
and then you'll read, say, the Daily Wire, and I'll say the Man's Son. Yeah. And so I'm just right. like, I. But I you see, th- this is trust, you know what I mean. That issue to me is why it all is so important. The thing that drives me craziest are these conservatives who they're the, they're in that latter group of people with PC where they say, "Oh, come on, you know." I'll, you do you. I'll, I'm not going to. It doesn't affect me. Do whatever you want. Just don't raise my taxes or whatever. It does. If <laughs> there are very few people who are men who think that they're women or vice versa. Very, very few people. It's a social contagion also beyond the psychological issue. So it's, it is growing, especially among younger people. But taking that aside, it's still a small number of people. If, if I can't know. If I can't make a claim about objective reality that you will respect, and you can't make a claim about objective reality that I will respect, in something as fundamental as the most basic distinction in human nature, who's a boy and who's a girl, then we can't communicate, right? right. What is language? It's just it's symbols that we use to refer to objective reality and try to shape the kind of world that we want to live in and recognize reality. If we, it, if yeah, no, no, it's kind if, of I, if we cannot do that. There is no self-government. There is no logic to this place. It's just warring bands of interests. The, the interesting thing about when it comes to, and, and this is a really obviously dangerous subject for YouTube especially. Yeah. You know, it's like walking on ice because they're ready to just hit the nuke button. Yeah. But I was reading something about, um, I can't remember what it was. It was a year or so ago about a world, world-class athlete yeah. who had won some competitions. The individual used he, him pronouns but was biologically female. It completely altered the context of yeah. everything because in in certain sporting events, I can tell you who the world class top athletes are. Yeah, there's probably the names of there's probably several names in say the WNBA you've probably never heard of. <laughs> yeah, probably more than several. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well then, <laughs> I don't know if it was you tweeted that joke and I tweeted the uh, the Family Guy clip. Maybe it wasn't you. It wasn't you? I did see the clip. I, I forget if I tweeted it or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if you have, we'll use the WNBA as an, as an example. LeBron James, particularly woke in many ways yeah, and yeah. pro CCP, and we all know he's like the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Yeah, they say he, he commands you know hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Let's say you have, uh, and, and again, I'm saying this with the utmost respect. I'm trying to explain a concept of linguistics and, and understanding of reality. Let's say you have an, a, a WNBA player yeah. who is called the top of her league, the best of the best, commanding the highest salary in the league. And then the person comes out as trans. So in the encyclopedia, encyclopedia, they change all the pronouns from she to he and him. Yeah, yeah. Now it says he commands the highest salary in the league. He won all of the greatest championships. And it really changes the context because now it sounds like they're actually above LeBron James. Right. right. So I need to be able to understand the context. And these things matter. Well, it, it matters t- to the very essence of the society. I mean, you, you know, you, you love philosophy. And so this, there's this very shallow idea that, you know, you keep your religion out of my politics. You can, look, man, that's, to, to quote the dude, that, man, that's just your opinion, man, you know, so don't, just let, we're just going to talk about taxes or whatever. No, all, <laughs> all laws legislate morality. All human conflict ultimately is theological. You know, there's the Breitbart doctrine, which is politics is downstream of culture. Culture is downstream of religion. Cult and culture, they come from the same root word. Ultimately, we're talking about first principles, who we are. The, Traditional understanding for our whole civilization everywhere, everywhere in the world, certainly in this country, is that we are, you know, body and soul. And yes, I'll, I'll, I'll move. I'll, I'll bring you back to one more root, and that's religion is you comes after moral frameworks. 
Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. No, this is actually yeah. a perfect way to put it as moral frameworks. If if I'm going to explain human nature to, in the old way, I'd say I'm body and soul, right? And for the purposes of a lot of public policy, I might just be body, but but not for all public policy. You know, why is why is sexual assault worse than any other kind of assault? Because we're more than just our bodies, right? There's yeah. there's a kind of human dignity that's being violated here. Okay, fine. That's the the to use the technical term, the hylomorphic view of human nature. There's the materialist view, which is just we're meat puppets. And then there's the transgender view, which is an ancient heresy. It's called Gnostic dualism. It's the idea that my true self has nothing to do with my body. So I'm, I might look like a dude. I got a deep voice. I got the Adam's apple, various other appendages. But if on some deep metaphysical level, I feel myself to be a woman, not only is it sort of complicated, you know, and I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm just a woman. Because my myself, my actual self, has nothing to do with my body. You can't live in a society that simultaneously holds these contradictory views of what human nature is. You've got to decide. I, have, you, have you seen the, the, the Jack Dorsey thing I did with Joe Rogan? Yeah, it's just absolutely magnificent. I yes. appreciate it. Yes. Uh, it comes up a lot, but I think there was like a very important point that uh, I brought up to Jack or to Vijaya, and it's that... When I said your rules are inherently biased against yes. conservatives, they didn't understand this. Yeah. And then I said conservatives view the phrase misgendering differently from the way you view it. Right. And you can argue that you're in the majority. They can argue they're in the majority. How do you rectify that bias you have? If half the country votes for Donald Trump and the other half doesn't, you can. it's fair to say that half the voting body that are active in politics believe that misgendering someone means to use pronouns that don't align with their biological sex. Yeah. The so that's the essentialist view. Then the constructivist view would be the other way around. That misgendering is when you don't use the pronouns that adhere to their self-identification. Yeah, yeah. We right now have an infrastructure that's being built upon you as a conservative. Your worldview is considered wrong, amoral, or yeah. or a fringe. Even though I think when you look at the data, it's actually the majority of individuals. Which, Certainly. Which why I go back to the politically uninitiated versus initiated. Yeah. My my thing comes down to probably like more libertarianism in the yeah. small L sense, not the libertarian mm. party because yeah. you know, they get kind of kooky <laughs> yeah. in that if someone comes to me and says, here's what I'd like to be called, I say, no problemo. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think that Twitter's argument for why they ban people who violence policy is sufficient. I don't think YouTube's is. And I think it's causing serious damage, as you probably agree, to yeah. discourse and politics. The, the argument was that there's a high rate of suicide among trans people, therefore. Yeah. yeah. And my argument, uh, I, it's, it's not even that I'm, I'm arguing against the right of individuals to be respected. You know, I, I don't think everyone has a right to just have respect. But yeah, I do yeah. think society, my personal opinion is we try to give people the benefit of the doubt towards respecting them until they prove otherwise. But it does raise this question, which is, and, and this is actually just as dangerous for society. What is the respect? It seems to me, what the conservatives are saying is, if I see a man who wants to be called a woman, uh, and you call him a man, you're showing him respect because you are, you're not treating him like a crazy person. You're treating him like someone who can understand reality. And you're just saying, look, this is, this is how I see it, pal. It kind of looks like you're a man. And if you lie to him, then you're being very disrespectful. You don't lie to people that you have respect for. But I think on the left, the argument they're making is lies. In this case, even if we're all, we're going to all admit, you know, he's not really a girl, but it's nice because it's socially constructed. We should all do it. Lies are compassionate and the truth is cruel. And, you know, that's not a great premise for society to begin with. And it's one that I, I would certainly reject. I think, I think at the very least, it's exactly 
you know, everything you outlined, outlined the conservative view on why you're actually being respectful. It's exactly the problem with the rules these social media companies have. Yeah. In that they, you know, what I said, what I said to them was, you guys think you're like regular people, but you're not. You're billionaire Silicon Valley elites who are out of touch with this country. Masters of the universe. I'm not saying you're, that you represent a tiny fringe faction or anything like that. There's a lot of people who agree with you. Yeah. But you don't understand that you have not spoken with a Trump supporter or a conservative yeah. to understand that half the country disagrees with you and probably more, but yeah. you've made rules. So what ends up happening is the more we use these digital spaces, the more we're filtering our worldview through theirs. Yeah. And to your yeah. point about losing, that's probably it. It, it is because we're – I think what – Twitter is saying, I mean, you, you absolutely wrecked them and, and, and they're being so hypocritical and they're being so disingenuous a lot of the time. But the fact remains, there are going to be rules. Always have been, always will be to every speech regime. There have to be. There just have to be rules to speech in the sense that if he is really he, then he isn't she. And if he is, is she, then he's really not he. And one of us is right and one of us is wrong. But we will ha if we're going to have any kind of society, we're going to have to agree on those rules. And what is being done now is rather than having them develop over time out of tradition through the use of our reason by applying reason to the natural world and our perceptions, what is being done is a handful of extremely radical people whose, whose life experience is very different from all of ours are upending society right from out from under our feet. And there's nothing we can do about it because they own the platforms and they enforce all the rules. And you got like Jack Dorsey who sold Twitter. Basically, he only owns like 2 or 6% or something of Twitter now. And you've got companies like State Street yeah, or yeah. Um, BlackRock, these giant investment, global investment firms that basically are running the show. And like you said earlier, sedition, like types, certain types of speech are illegal for yep. a reason. And there is so free speech means we're not we've all agreed we're not going to say certain things. And it's like they've taken on this role of arbiter that they want to decide for us that we can't say certain things because it's dangerous it, that it will prevent actual free speech. But I yeah. don't think that that's for corporations to decide personally <laughs> not not historically in our country but that is what's happening now and it's it's why i think the reason conservatives lose is because the left makes a procedural argument and they make a substantive argument and what i mean by that is the left has a view of what free speech is in the abstract and then they're going to enforce certain speech rules the right has this kind of ahistorical now we've adopted over the last 20 years just like total free speech and there's no limits to anything but we won't say what we should say. But free speech has no meaning to people who have nothing to say. Freedom of belief has no meaning to people who don't believe anything. You know, you know I, what, the reason I think it's not just conservatives who are losing because obviously to you, I'm definitely not a conservative. To the right, I'm definitely not a conservative. To yeah. them, I don't, whatever, fine. Yeah. But uh, we are losing. And whatever that we is, it's a, it's a combination of different factions in, in politics. But yeah. the reason is... Well, I, I don't think you're interested in lying, cheating, and stealing. Right. Uh, I'm certainly not either. Yeah. I, 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 I like thing, enlightenment yeah. values. I like sitting down and having conversations with people. I believe in respecting. Uh, so, so, so for me, when it comes to you know pronouns or whatever, I give the benefit of doubt towards respect. I like to sit down and have conversations. I don't like to manipulate people into doing my bidding. Yeah. However, the issue I have with modern leftism as it stands is, is, is the authoritarianism of it, where they believe – there, the moral framework of, of wokeness is might makes right. Yeah. Are, are you familiar with David Graeber? No, I'm not. 
David Graeber was a very famous anthropologist who uh, didn't like that he was called the anarchist anthropologist. He was mm. one of the most he was one of the influencers who ignited Occupy Wall Street at, yep. at these meetings. And uh, he passed recently. So, you know, rest in peace, David Graeber. He did a Twitter thread a few years ago where he said elements of the left have been adopting fascistic ideologies. The idea that there's no truth but power and that Mike might makes right. Yeah. That's my problem with wokeness. Yeah. That they're basically there's no rules. I want to know what the rules are so I can respect you. Yeah. But they purposefully have no rules. It's just the imposition is what matters. You know, at this point is so important. So someone the other day, well, this happens every day, but the other day I responded. Someone called me a fascist. And I pointed out, I said, I am way too reactionary to be a fascist. I am, that is like small <laughs> potatoes. And what I mean by that is, to your point exactly, fascism is an atheistic statist philosophy that basically just worships the, the exercise of state power. That doesn't work with my worldview because I think that there are some things that are true. I think there are eternal truths. There's an eternal moral order. But this is something that conservatives don't want to acknowledge. When I say they don't want to say anything, what I mean is this. You get the squishy types who say, well, look, you know, if we tell drag queen story hour that they can't twerk for kids at the library, then they might tell us we can't go to church on Sunday. And I say, like, first of all, they're already telling us we can't go to church on Sunday. <laughs> but But second of all, if you cannot distinguish between twerking for toddlers and going to church on Sunday, if you can't say one of those is better than the other one, one of those is better for... Then you, you have lost your faculties of judgment, your moral conscience, which is the prerequisite for self-government. At that point, throw in the towel. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in a, in a different way. Let's say you have... Let's say I'm sitting in my, my arbiter's chair and I see a leftist say, we should be allowed to have you know Drag Queen Story Hour. And then to my right is a conservative saying, we should be allowed to go to church on Sunday. I say to the, to, to you and your community on the religious side, you should be allowed to go to church and your community should function as you, you, you see moral and fit. And this other group, they live in a different society. If you guys want to have and live your own ways, I respect that. The problem though is one group is telling you what you can and can't do because they're trying to impose their will into your community. But in their defense, I am trying to impose my will on theirs. <laughs> and what I mean by what I mean by that is this. Drag Queen Story Hour involves perverts twerking for toddlers, okay? To to put it really bluntly. Well, I, I to clarify too, there's a specific instance in which somebody was That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I'm not speaking loosely here. I'm right, saying right, like right. an actual a guy happened. who actually committed these crimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it this is so much easier to get into it this way because it involves children. If a community, you know, look, they've got their own customs, they've got, and one of the customs is that they abuse children, and they twerk for children, and they indoctrinate children into this crazy, licentious ideology. But that's their custom, that's what they want to do. Do we not have any right to say, eh, you shouldn't do that? Depends on if you're coming from a, it's hard, it's, it's, it's moral frameworks, it's, I certainly have my red lines, you know, so I look yep. at what happens in some of these foreign countries, and they're shocking to me. And there is a point where I'm like questioning the line of warfare, for instance, what China does to the Uyghur Muslims and the women. And I had a very interesting conversation with Cassandra Fairbanks where she said, there's no there's no war, no matter what. Like, yeah. Every country does something wrong. Are we going to go to war with everybody? Yeah. It's a very interesting libertarian argument. And I think I think she's right about that. Why why don't I care about, say, these other countries in, you know, in Africa where they do atrocities, there are atrocities as well. And so it's, it's a real challenge of, 
where the lines are in, in, in terms of like the actual physical boundaries where we're going to say we will enforce our morality. Well, I'm sure, you, I'm sure a line for you would be like the kids stuff. I think this is true, a line for most people because what, what do we also, we say kids can't consent. You know, they don't, they don't really have mastery of their liberty. That's why we have age of consent laws because we're not going to let kids do all these sorts of things. The left is trying to, uh, etch away I, at that right now. And I'll clarify too, right? There's there's the mainstream media portrayal of Drag Queen Story Hour where it's just people in chairs with books. Yeah. And there's the actual videos you see on Twitter where Yikes. they're twerking for children. Yes. And so there's the, the the argument that I've seen is that twerking is just dancing from a different culture. So <laughs> yeah. you, you, you It's you, just like a waltz, you know. From a philosophical point of view and, and from a moral from a a moral framework standpoint, my question is are people who vote for certain things allowed to live certain ways if they choose? And at what point does someone's community get to impose their will on another community? Well, it depends what they're voting for. Uh, you know, at one time, I, I got to meet Scalia a couple times and, and when I was a student. It was amazing. I have no idea how I stumbled into this opportunity. <laughs> and someone asked him, I think it was a question about the Second Amendment. They asked him, hold on, Mr. Justice, because you're saying that it's this individual right to these guns, but only these guns and not these other guns. How do you decide? And his answer, I thought, was deeply conservative and deeply wise. He said, you decide very, very carefully. And I think we need to decide these things very carefully, too. One stumbling block, I think, for a lot of people on this issue is the nature of liberty. What is liberty? You know, if a ki- right now they're saying that the kid should be able to be castrated if he, if he wants to because that it's his right that's his liberty if he wants to do it but but then we say well kids don't really have liberty because they're not educated and the whole point of a liberal education is you you master your liberty i think the problem here is this conflation of liberty and licentiousness meaning the current sort of modern lib view of liberty is that liberty means do whatever you want whatever your base desire is just do whatever you want and the the conservative view of liberty, the view of the founders, the view of the Christian view, the pre-Christian view even, is that liberty is not the ability to do, to do whatever you want. It's the right to do what you ought to do. And w- what I mean by that is this. I can bring it right down to earth. A heroin addict. Actually, it's a very popular debate on libertarian circles, right? Should you legalize all the drugs? Should the heroin addict be able to do whatever he wants? According to the modern liberal view of liberty, the heroin addict is the most free guy in the world, right? He can do, as long as he's got a buck in his pocket, he can shoot up. He's, that's awesome. He's pursuing his will and his free choice. But we all know that that guy's not free. We all know he's a slave. He's a slave to his base passions. His higher will, I'm sure, is telling him, I wish I could stop doing this. I hate the heroin. Oh, addicts will tell you this all the time. But his lower appetites, because he hasn't cultivated his higher will, his lower appetites, his licentiousness, desiring all of that. My, my, my view of the drug war stuff is, it should be legal insofar as you have to go to designated facilities that regulate and actually wean you off of it. So instead of mm-hmm. having someone go in the gutter, they go in for a legal you know, session or whatever, and they can, li- they can regulate and limit so that they can actually – With the purpose of getting them off the drug. Right, right. Yeah, right. yeah that makes, makes You know, we have methadone clinics and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but there are people who look at, say, Portugal, and they think we should just totally legalize everything. Yeah. I, I, am, of, I am of the legalize everything with regulation. So it's like hmm. – or I should say decriminalize – with the goal of helping people instead of you know locking them up in prison or whatever. But e- but even in that view, that isn't that isn't exactly my view of it. But even in that view, you are acknowledging the goal should be people do less of this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think a lot of people now on the left, they say, it's it's kind of like the abortion thing, right? It's like no, we got to celebrate it, we got to shout it, and that's and that, that me, way lies madness. You know, it, to to me it, that that whole thing was crazy because you know growing up being uh, liberal. It, 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 what it meant to me and what my understanding of the things we argued for was 
respecting individual liberties and civil liberties and civil rights. Now, the modern liberal, whatever that means, does not do that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's well, I mean, they can argue that they are, but it's moved well beyond any point of being responsible in your community to protect individuals. Now it's literally just no rules, no police. But, but you know do why? Do you want. You the, know, burn down the city in Minneapolis or whatever. I can't, I've got to defend the left. I mean, your, your point is totally right. But their argument which they really pushed in the 1970s, the radical feminists pushed this, is that the personal is the political. There's this great essay by that name. And this woman recounts how the New York radical women's groups, they would meet up, I refer to them as wine and cheese soirees, you know, these sort of housewives or unmarried women would meet up. And but very often when the bourgeois housewife and the mother of two would show up, the woman would go there and she was happy as a clam walking in. And then during the struggle session, they would raise awareness and the woman would leave resentful and irritated and because she's now aware of her own oppression. And this is called being liberated. And then the women would go out of there. You know, uh, I used to do nonprofit fundraising and these, these offices, they hire large groups of people. Yeah. Send us out in the streets to wave at people with clipboards. Yeah. Hey, do you have a minute to talk about the environment? You've probably seen those people, right? Mm-hmm. One, when, when you come back, from your day of hard fundraising on the street. Yeah. Some people aren't of strong mental fortitude. Mm-hmm. And they would do debriefs. They would always have a manager do a debrief with everyone one at a time. And then you'd, you'd, you'd stop it for a debrief and you'd leave. And what they were really doing was a morality check. Hmm. If somebody in the office had a bad day, they would walk in and they would have the squiggly line over their head like the comics. <laughs> And everyone else who maybe had a bad day but wasn't really thinking about it, maybe it was an okay day, maybe it was a good day, yeah. they'd all be hanging out after work. The person who had the bad day would stand next to them as they say, like, how was your day? And they'd be like, it was okay for me. And they would go, this is the worst job ever. I hate this job. Dude, people are so awful. Dude, dude I had a guy and he did this to me. And then everyone starts sharing the negativity and it spreads like, like, a, like a virus. Yeah. So what would happen is they would do a debrief where they would ask people, how was your day? How do you feel? And if a tiny percentage of people were like, I'm just so tired. These people are so awful. They'd fire everyone in the office. Even there was like, there would be like five people who would remain. And those were like the tough willed. So I worked for these companies. I was a nation's best fundraiser for a variety of these nonprofits on the street, convincing people to donate to various charities. I didn't think those guys ever got anybody to sign up at all. That's very impressive. I I once got a lady to, to give me a check for $700 and then give me her bank account numbers to do it every single month. So, like, when you have the gift of gab, when you can talk, when yeah. you can... Yeah, I'm in the wrong line of work, man. That's great. No, That's I think very... you're in the right line of work. Like, <laughs> maybe, this, maybe this, this stuff yeah. was dirty. It was, yeah. It's the opposite of what we're doing. You're speaking mm-hmm. your, your, your truth. You're, you're explaining how you yep. feel and, and how you want to, you know, your goals towards improving things. This was the opposite. This was yeah. tricking people. And that's why I ended up leaving when I realized they were full of it. Yeah. To your point, though, about... You know, uh, I guess we're talking about like negativity spreading and, and this mentality spreading. Sort of, yeah. New York radical women, personal is the political. Yeah, they'd come out feeling all angry. Yeah. You take a bunch of people who are happy and excited for their job. Yeah. And you put them in a room and you're good. But one person gets negative and then within a week, everyone's performance dropped dramatically. And do you see, do you see what that company understood? Yep. Is that the personal is the political. So if you have, if you have a company full of pissed off people, then you're gonna you're gonna have a bad company. If you, and if you if you have a country to get back to that earlier example, you have a country full of heroin addicts. It doesn't matter how wonderfully written your constitution is and how beautiful your Supreme Court building is. If your if your nation is full of 
individuals who are atrophied and sick and and disordered, you're going to have a bad country. And that's we just have an opioid crisis. I mean, it's not... It's and not it, that's a literal... Yeah, right. That's a literal... Yeah, example. so uh, it's remarkable how easy it is to spread anger and negativity and how yeah. hard it is to stop it or spread the positivity. That's what they call runaway breakdown in science, where one electron in a cloud of plasma will go, and then all the other ones follow it rapidly and cause <laughs> yeah. lightning, as we know it. That's the formation oh, of lightning. And because like electrons are such lightweight, they move and they follow each other very quickly relative to the proton. Let's let, let's, let's do this. Let's segue. It, this is a hard segue, but what, okay. I want to talk about um, one of the articles from the Daily Wire about uh, wokeness in movies. Okay. And I, I do think it's relevant because I think what we're seeing in commercial industry and in movies and shows is this kind of you're in a room with 30 other people and one person's pissed off yeah it's happened to our country it sounds like twitter yeah exactly it is and that the, the reason why i think we're seeing movies and commercials and marketing go this direction is one there has been a liberal bias in the establishment media for a long time yeah academia and that meant i think it's probably you know following civil rights because I think everybody, for the most part, in, in today in America, objectively believes civil rights were a good thing. Yeah, there are obviously racists, and but there's it's true. there's probably a handful of people. There's who, uh, few you know, and far between. Yeah. Uh, but no, on the left and the right, right, you right. have left identitarians who, uh, yeah. you know, when I was in, um, I think Baltimore during the riots, they actually were circulating a discussion about why the en- this is Black Lives Matter, saying yeah. segre- ending segregation was bad. It was wrong. <laughs> they genuinely thought so. So yeah. anyway, I digress. Uh, there, there's been uh, okay. We got disconnected, but it's fine. It'll kick back in. Since then, there has been a bias where it's like, okay, racism is bad, right? Yeah. And then because of that, everything sort of flowed in that direction. And if you're in the mainstream media, that's what's acceptable. That's what's socially just. Yeah. And so the only conversations that can happen are racism is bad or something in that context. So what happens then is when you create a Twitter or a Facebook. And it creates the massive room where everyone can share their rage and yeah. enrage other people. We end up with industry, commercials, movies, media, government, and every. So you know, our culture has become built upon this low morale, demoralized, angry, angry about what you know. You were saying earlier, like, um, it, what right do we have to say, like, I want you to change, like, to impose. Your will on some other person. I think the you twerking for kids is bad. Yeah. And I think we do have the right to say that. And of course, now that's on social media. And, but sometimes you don't have the right to say, like, I think you should commit this crime because that's could could be considered, I don't know, seditious or something like that. But this, this whole, like, I think you should fill in the blank has, has like taken on this, this runaway breakdown in social media. And now people are imposing like, I think you should call me a man. Yeah. But let let me, let me, to to your point about runaway breakdown and the thing I was saying about the bias, Donald Trump can say, we're going to peacefully march to the Capitol to cheer on politicians. Insurrection. Maxine Waters says, if we don't get what we want, we, we do more, we get more confrontational. And they're like, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, I'm sorry. What did the Republicans offer to do? Censure Maxine Waters? Of course, it's pathetic. We will wag our finger at her. Yeah. They impeached Trump over it. Literally impeached him. Yeah. and then tried to convict him yeah. for saying peacefully cheer on politicians. Of course, it's it's absolutely pathetic. Because your observation here, and and actually what we're seeing in Hollywood is every culture, just by definition, is going to 
idolize some things and castigate some things. And we're going to think some things are good and some things are bad and some are right and some are wrong. And that's just the way it works. And if conservatives are unwilling to offer a substantive vision of that, then we're just going to get rolled over. You know, on this this point here of this kind of nastiness in the movies, how, you know, it's Hollywood, the social media, it's all so nasty. I wonder if, too, beyond just the political vision of this, it has something to do with how exhausted and decadent we are as a society. What I mean by that is, I went to Cuba a few years ago. It was they, they had direct flights from L.A. for a little, very briefly. Thanks, Obama. And I go down to buy some cigars. I go to Cuba, and I see a variety show. And this thing, man, I don't know, I felt bad for everybody in that slave island. It's a terrible place. At the time, it looked like they were going to open up. Who knows? It doesn't look like great reforms. I see a real Ricky Ricardo show. I mean, I'm talking Cuban Pete. He's the king of the right. It's all very big, very energetic, very enthusiastic. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we haven't had that kind of entertainment in the United States for 50 years at least. What is our entertainment now? It's apathetic. It's all ironic. It's all just sort of dressed down and like I'm not even going to, you know. Millennials and Zoomers, too, they, they kind of like talking vocal fry, you know. It's kind right, of, it's, right. they, won't, they won't even put breath behind their voice because we're just so damn tuckered out. We're so exhausted. I mean, there's uh, very popular memes about harming yourself on, on Reddit and there's, the funny thing is it's created a derivative set of memes where these Gen Zers who make jokes about dying don't know that older generations don't know it's a joke and yeah. seriously yeah but so I, I wanted to bring up this thing about hollywood because i think this is from the daily wire i think Pretty it shows place. uh yeah whatever that is yeah, yeah. website or whatever shout out apparently there's a <laughs> bunch of links on facebook <laughs> daily wire <laughs> daily wire yeah so no no no. but i think most people are not into this the yeah. problem is social media has created uh, uh it's it's the foreground and people don't realize hmm. that it looks really big because yeah. it's right in front of our faces, but it's actually really small. So let me, let, me, let, me, let me pull some of this up. This is a Daily Wire poll. Most Americans oppose Oscars diversity requirements. They say the majority of Americans don't believe in diversity requirements, don't, don't believe diversity requirements should be a significant factor in whether or not a film is nominated for an Oscar at the Academy Awards, according to the findings of a new survey monkey poll commissioned by the Daily Wire. They say 63% of respondents agreed that films should solely be judged on their artistic merits. While only 24% of respondents say diversity should be a significant factor in a film's nominate, in a film's nomination, the other respondents indicated they were unsure. Nearly half of non-white respondents, 40%, said artistic merit should be the sole consideration, while 38% said diversity should be factored in the nomination decision. To me, I am not surprised. The ratings are in the gutter. Yeah, yeah. It's not just the ratings for, for Hollywood. CNN news outlets or ratings are in the gutter. Mm-hmm. Fox News, apparently the only outlet that's actually maintained their ratings post-Trump. Though they did take a big hit, you know, during Trump. Like they, had, the end. they had some pushback during the election. Right, right, right. I look at, I look at these, these TV shows and you see the ratings are down. You look at the Grammys. You look at the Oscars. Nobody wants to watch this stuff. You look at some of these movies that have come out and wow, have they not made money? Yeah. Birds of Prey. Did you see that movie? No, no. You're I, lucky. You. <laughs> That's lucky. not for the flight back. I should not. Uh, you no. do not want to watch that movie. No. It is, you know, the, the issue I take with it is that it's all based off of this. Um, it's like it's like indignation. Like like I'm. Uh, it's it's this anger. Yeah. It's yeah. not a, a a positive question. So I think back to like, you know, old content, uh, old shows back in the day that I thought were progressive or in a sense or, or, or talk to civil rights for things for kids that, that, that were done right. 
Yeah. I always reference Static Shock, the cartoon. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, that. no. I mean, it was a kid's show, and you have um, this, this character, Virgil Hawkins. He's a young black teenager. He gains superpowers. The stories they go through are about, you know, his best friend is gay. Should he join a gang? Yeah. And it was done in a very inquisitive way that explained a point. Yeah. Today's version of, of politics in, in shows like wokeness and diversity requirements are bashing you over the head with anger about how you're evil and wrong and we're yeah. mad at you. Yeah. It's very, very different from just telling someone what, what would be right. You know what I mean? Well, I think p- part of it is because getting back to your might makes right argument earlier, one would hope that in a civilized society, we can all just persuade one another through arguments that, hey, my view of this social question is right, and so here's my argument. But because the left has now basically abandoned that, and and I don't just mean they don't make good arguments, and their arguments are no good. I mean, as a product of their radical ideologies over the years, they have come to deny the reality of objective of the objective world, right? They'll, they'll actually say things like objective truth. That's actually a white supremacist dog whistle, yeah. <laughs> things like that. So that if they're going to deny that, then argument falls apart. And so it, it has to be angry or at least threatening in the sense that if they want to get you to go along with their program, they've just got to make you do it. They're not going to persuade you. It won't yeah. be gentle. At what point do you legislate? This I was thinking of this earlier. You were saying, like, do you have the right to tell someone, I think you should do this? Yeah. And yes, I believe you do when it, yeah. if it's not... A certain type of like sedition or whatever, but at what point are you? Should you be able to legislate? I think you should do this, and that's basically kind of what our government does. And now it's what our social media is doing because it's the new. It's one of the new forms of government. Because it is the government. And yeah, like, right. How right. are they legislating by like public opinion? By like fear mongering? Like this juror was afraid that they were going to. Yeah. Well, so so it's 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 the anger, it's the negativity, it's the rage instead of the compassion. So uh, a good example, I'm trying to think of like, what's a really good example of how they do wokeness wrong? And how about Ghostbusters 2016? <laughs> Have you seen that one? <laughs> Nobody saw that one. Really. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think I'm alone here. <laughs> uh, awful. Why? Because they think that the idea of, of diversity in movies is being mean and nasty and insulting. Yeah. So they're mad that we do Captain America, we do Thor and Iron Man, and it's all white males. Yeah. I don't care that it's white males. I have no problem with, you know, Shang-Chi, the new, it's the new Marvel movie coming out. It's yeah. an Asian lead with Asian characters. I'm like, cool. When you do – when they see that those three movies where it's all white men, their reaction is to make a movie where they insult and berate and, and belittle white men. Yeah. It's like how – that's not social justice. That's just the same thing but just, be, it's just being mean to people. You're right. <laughs> I think about a movie like Wonder Woman, the first one, or say like Edge of Tomorrow where they actually just have strong female characters to represent – female characters and they don't insult you and bash you over the head and tell you you're a moron or you're toxic or you're stupid to me that's that's the main issue here but well you i mean it's a good rule of thumb i've found is that when you're trying to understand something the radical left is doing just invert reality invert the traditional order so uh, traditionally what uh, humility is the beginning of wisdom right very important virtue what does the left celebrate pride not just yeah. not just gay pride. It's like fat pride, skinny pride, slut pride. All, right, all these all these various marches to to embrace pride. Which a friend of mine once said it used to be the it, uh, I think it was Thomas Aquinas called it the queen of all vices, and now uh, my friend referred to it as the vice of all queens. Which I think that's very that's not nice. That's not a nice <laughs> thing. It's very politically incorrect. But it's because it's actually it's way beyond the gay question. If you look at the essence of Christianity, what is it? That in this fallen world, you have the incarnation of perfect good. The actual God himself, the second person of the Trinity, incarnate into the world to redeem mankind. 
What do you have on the left? You have the exact inversion of that. You have no shot at redemption, no shot at the incarnation of the good, but you do have the incarnation of evil in in the character of the straight white man who knows that he's a man who right. It, it keeps getting narrower and narrower. We but, we yeah. we talked about this before the show a little bit. Moral frameworks. Yeah, and uh, I, I, something I've definitely mentioned on the show that there are a lot of liberals in this country who are like, if you need religion to be moral, then like. I'm scared of, you know, what you really think is, yeah. or like what you would do with that religion. You must be crazy. Yeah. And, and the example of Bill Maher, who would say something like, yeah. I don't need religion to, to have morals. And they don't realize that their morals are built upon the Judeo-Christian framework. Right. Of course. Well, of course. I mean, the, uh, it's always so sophomoric. When that, when that fad happened in the mid 2000s, you know, that the new atheists, I, I always felt the old atheists were a lot more impressive. I mean, was, I tried reading some of their books. They were, Sophomoric. I mean, they were so shallow that I, they, they weren't even making the arguments they thought that they were making. And someone like Bill Maher, yes, where does Bill Maher get his morality from? His civilization, which is built on Christianity. You can use the phrase Judeo-Christian, whatever you want. He was raised, I guess, in a I Jewish mean, household. Like, Who knows? You know? Literally like Benjamin Franklin and yeah. Thomas Jefferson, you know, individuals who are fairly religious individuals, to say the, to it's, the least. It's, like, but, it's built on Judeo-Christianism and a little bit of moral or uh, I guess you call it authoritarian militantism. Like, what do you mean? Well, we just massacred the Native Americans to form our country in pride. Like well, we're talking that, about humility and pride. No, I don't think that's fair. Well, well, think about yeah, that's, I don't think that's, that's fair. Think about American settlers. pride. Well, hold, Proud hold, hold, to no, no, be no, no, an hold, American hold, pride. Right, right, right. Hold on. Okay. We're, we're, we're talking about there are certain things that uh, in the Bible and the Torah. Yeah, like humility. And but, but America's not we, a humble place. But what we <laughs> That's a good place. It's the place that makes Donald Trump. They, they yes. talk about pride <laughs> yeah. and how, how and Trump, Trump represents like turning American culture up to 11. It's like yeah. the epitome <laughs> of but yeah. pride. But, but, but right, prideful. It, it comes from, I think, a decay of that moral framework. Well, where does pride? What is what is the American thing with pride? Because humility is is a virtue, and pride uh, is a sin. You know, I actually I think America is a, a humble country, and what, and I actually think even Trump is politically one of the most humble politicians we've ever heard. Not because he doesn't have an ego; he slaps his name on every building he ever saw. But it, it's because he understands that there are limits to politics, and there's limits to what he can do. I mean, when he comes in, he says, "Look." You know, I'm a flawed guy, but I fix things. We're going to make it a little bit better. Conservatives traditionally have this idea. You can't remake the world into this utopia. To me, that's a very, very humble I, position. I think we can rag on Trump for his character and persona as a representation of some of the worst things, like turning American culture up to the 11 and just really blasting the saturation he turns you know, on. The casinos and the supermodels. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. But politically, Trump wouldn't send the, the, uh, the, the, the military or the feds into these riots. Yeah. He wouldn't he, – he, there were yeah. so many things Trump should have done. He wouldn't do. He wouldn't fire people. Yeah. He wouldn't force his way. And they kept screaming he was a fascist when right. he literally wouldn't do these things. In fact, Donald Trump shut down the child detention centers. Yeah. And Joe Biden reopened them. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he so built them too. It, it, look, Trump, I would not say, is – could be described as humble – not at all. But he strikes me as prideful as, as all were, get out. There His was name some, on buildings. He's all like, I'm the right. best. Like, that's pride. And, but, and we're and told as to, Americans. Finish, when it comes to politics and the actions he took as a president, absolutely he was more humble than, say, Joe Biden was. Well, what, Joe Biden can rhetorically be humble. That's a fact. Donald Trump was the opposite of humble. I don't think either of those guys. Speaks. To be a cult leader, you've got to be. Shuts, well, shuts yeah. down the facilities. You know why? Donald Trump shut down the child facilities because the left was yelling at him. Donald Trump banned bump yeah. stocks because the left was yelling at him. Yeah. Joe yeah. Biden tells the right to screw themselves. Well, let me, yeah. Barack let me, Obama similarly. Let me develop this a little because I think pride is an American virtue in a lot of ways. It's, it's a Catholic sin, but it's in, in the United States, it's like proud to be an American. 
And they teach you that as a kid. They taught me that as a kid that, yes, you want to be prideful of your things and it's good. And in a lot of ways, it, it does help you succeed in a capitalist society. But do you think when, – when I say – I mean it just seems to me we're using this word pride in different ways. Like when I say I'm proud to be an American, aren't we just talking about love of country, patriotism? It's sort of an extension of filial piety. Like I, I agree there's a, a degree of national pride that's a really bad thing when you say like every other country is awful and we're just going to take them all over and everything. But in a way, America – I think doesn't do that. We bomb the Middle East a lot, but I, I don't know that we do that. We, we kind of open our country up. We say, hey, man, come on in. We want all the best from everywhere. All the, like, it, we, we let in more immigrants than any other country, don't we? I mean, the, the movement of immigrants into this country over the last 60 years is the largest movement of people ever on earth in the history of the world. So yeah, we, well, yeah, people love it. And we let a lot of people in. I mean, so much so that now it's, become very difficult if not impossible to to assimilate all you're talking about millions of people every single year and if you even raise the prospect of hey maybe we should you know like cool it a little bit until we assimilate everybody uh, most people will look at you like you're crazy Do you think the catholic church just told people pride is bad because they wanted to keep control of people it's no well pride pride made satan fall like lightning from heaven you know i mean pride is the it's the sin of in the garden of eden actually whitaker chambers ex-communist who wrote this great book witness which uh, actually helped bring ronald reagan from the left to the right he said that communism is not a new ideology communism is the second oldest faith of mankind it's the great alternative faith that began in the garden when the serpent told adam and eve ye shall be as gods and that presumption to be as a god is it that is the bible story that is what causes the fall so i you know i think it's in the heart of man i, I don't think it's uniquely american but we've all got it there's no doubt about that we, we we've stumbled onto this talk about america and we were talking about hollywood so i'm going to make this segment <laughs> yeah. happen because i'm yes. so excited for this the first thing i want to say is this <clears throat> if if i could offer you up all, all of you guys listening a tv show where a guy takes an american flag and brutally beats antifa and <laughs> you know he rejects a bunch of woke ideas He's repeatedly told by, you know, people about how, uh, you know, the, you know, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't wave that flag. It's the white man's flag and that you got to understand. And so you have this this black man who says, no, nah, I like the flag and he picks it up. And then there are these people who are like, we should have open borders and we're going to we're going to smash the flag. And then he just beats them with it. Would that be a show conservatives would want to watch? It sounds great. Where do I <laughs> sign up? Where do I get it's, it? It's, it's the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ooh. So first, let me show this story from we got this covered. That we talked about, I think, a couple weeks ago. New rumor says over 80% of Falcon and Winter Soldier viewers turned off episode two at the same point. Now, I'm talking about this. We're, you know, we're talking about Hollywood wokeness, the commercialization of this anger. And I, I, I got to talk about this show. And I think pride fits in because I'm wondering why it is I see a lot of people saying this show is woke. Don't watch it. It's awful. It's racist. People don't want to watch it. And I wonder if there's an element of pride in assuming Hollywood does this, so not maybe not giving it a chance, yeah. and maybe being, being a little more open-minded. So we have this 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 uh, segment from uh, Marvel.com, or this, this article. Cast and creative, creatives behind The Falcon and Winter Soldier discuss patriotism, supremacy, Captain America's mantle. And you have this, this quote from Anthony Mackie, who plays, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he plays The Falcon. He says, for Sam, it's a constant battle of how do you fight for a country that's never fought for you, remarks Anthony Mackie, explaining in many ways, the one thing that held up the moniker of that shield was the idea of who Steve Rogers was, which is Captain America. That that comment to me was really interesting because it does, I think, in many ways show that Marvel, they're woke and they don't get it. For yeah. Anthony Mackie to say that 
a country never fought for you. I mean, I think one of the bloodiest battles in the history of the world was the Civil War. Right. Quite literally, to end slavery, among other, you know, peripheral factors, but that was a key component. But here's what I got to say about the show and what Hollywood is doing and what we need to be careful of. I'm seeing a lot of people tell me I'm wrong because I said the show's not woke. I'm like, it's not woke. Give it a chance. It's actually, it's, it's fairly centrist. It addresses issues of race, but quite literally, I'm going to spoil the show for those who haven't seen the finale because the finale, finale came out and I was so excited watching a dude reject wokeness, pick up the American flag and, and <laughs> beat Antifa with it. <laughs> I mean that, like, I don't re- literally like Antifa getting beaten, but the bad guys are called flag smashers. Yeah. They want open borders. <laughs> they, they, they're terrorists who kill people. Amazing. Yeah. They think might makes right. And because mm-hmm. they have super strength, they're allowed to kill whoever they want. She literally says to the, there's, there's a soldier with PTSD. He watched his best friend, who's a black man, get killed. And she says, his life doesn't matter. And I was like, that's an amazing indictment of these fake woke Antifa yeah. who would use someone for political points if they could get ahead and then literally tell you to your face they don't matter. Anthony Mackie plays a black man who questions whether or not he should wear the American flag, ultimately decides to do it. And they even show a scene where there's this, this, there's another black man who says no self-respecting black man would wear that shield. And Anthony Mackie says, I know there's people who'll be mad at me for wearing this, but, you know, he wants to fight for this country and he'll be damned if someone tells him he can't do it. And then he he's literally wearing the American flag, chasing down open borders extremists. I'm like, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> there's definitely a message about racism being bad. But it sounds like a more classically liberal or even a conservative statement about why racism is bad. Well, it's obviously conservative in the sense that America is good and the flag smashers are bad. I mean, just in the most basic sense, that is a conservative message. Right. Uh, you're going to make me. I was at one and a half Marvel products is what I had. <laughs> you're going to make me go to two and a half now. I certainly think there's elements that people could call woke. But I wonder if what a lot of people cause, cause I, I did say I tweeted it was getting too woke. And it was after this point where a car pulls up, a squad car pulls up, and you got, you know, Anthony Mackie and, and you got Falcon and Bucky Barnes, a white guy and a black guy. And it was this very stereotypically, like, racist moment where the cops were like, sir, are you all right to the white dude? A lot of people got mad about that. Yeah. But I'm like, nah, I'm going to watch it because I don't want to fall into this trap where I'm like, ah, it's what I woke. I won't watch it. Yeah. And then I was amazingly surprised. There was a point where apparently, you know, Sam, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, black yeah. man, is, is, you know, a, Bucky Barnes apologizes saying, I didn't realize what it meant for a black man to wear, you know, that shield and be Captain America. But he's like, I don't, he, he doesn't want to do that. He has a little kid tell him, he's walking down the street, a little kid goes, it's Black Falcon. And he goes, nah, I'm just Falcon. And the kid goes, no, my dad says you're Black Falcon. And he goes, I'm just the Falcon. And I'm like, you are just the Falcon. Yeah. Like your race right. is, is not relevant to you being a superhero who's awesome. Yeah. And when he decided to defy People in this black community who said, you think you can come in here because you have that white man's shield. And he's like, but I like that guy. He was cool as my friend. He's like, Steve Rogers didn't do this to you. And then he decides to wear the American flag representing the country. Even after, for every reason, he felt like he, he, he was wronged by this country or didn't fight for him. For every, you know, for everyone telling him that America was bad and doesn't represent him and hates him, he still believed in this country. And I'm like, it's like hardcore nationalists. Yeah. It's like it's like almost Trumpian in a way. I'm actually I'm wondering if it's Chinese propaganda in that they have now incited Antifa <laughs> to go riot and burn things down for a couple <laughs> yeah. years. Now they're gonna start making art about why we should fight them. Yeah. It's the it's the four D chess of the Chinese communists. Yeah. I, I, I did think about this and I wonder 
to what extent there's a conspiracy in media. Now that the election's over, they need to stop Antifa and start putting out messages about loving the country and getting things back on track because, you know, we were promised the riots would stop once Joe Biden came in and they ain't stopping. They're getting worse. Yeah. Well, that is the problem when you when you unleash violence you don't get to control it. You know, actually things, this is when you begin a war, you know, things quickly spiral out of, out of control. And that, that's clearly what's going on here. But I, I am, I'm actually glad you told me this about Marvel because conservatives do this a lot where they, they'll see a little, because, because we're so abused, because this whole culture <laughs> abuses and abuses, just smacks us all the time. We just, the minute we see something, we say, okay, that's all, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I can't take it anymore. And there was that movie that came out. I don't even remember the name of it. It was supposed to come out a few years ago, and it was about how these white, rich liberals. You know, I don't even know if it was all the white hunt. people. It was, it was the hunt, right? It's it was really good. It seemed great. I mean, the whole thing was these these rich coastal libs were hunting down good regular Americans, <laughs> and you know, I thought this is the most conservative movie ever made. I only saw the trailer, and then there was a backlash from, not from libs. It was from conservatives who said, "How dare you hunt me down?" You think like. Do you get the point Trump. of the movie? Yeah. Well, the, even Trump came out. And Trump, that's why right, Trump came against it. Even I came out. And my point was, I think we're in too divisive of a time to be making a mm. video where liberals are kidnapping and hunting down conservatives. Yeah. They might think it's a, it's like a nice movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's a plan. Uh, yeah, right. So I was like, I don't want to see that thing. And then I did. And it was, as I, I would say, it's, it's actually not partisan. It's mm. good. There was like, it made fun of everybody. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll say this about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Maybe it's conservative. Like, you should watch it and tell yeah. me what you think. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I think it's actually fairly centrist. Hmm. I think it's fairly – it's not trying to – in many ways, it opposes wokeness. Yeah. But it does address the, the animosity and the feelings of racism in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. Hmm. So I think there's a lot of people who, who – I'll, I'll put it this way. To me, wokeness represents insulting, de- denigrating, beating someone over the head, yeah. telling them they're stupid or evil or wrong or privileged, whereas – actual social justice as I, as I understood it would be like someone calmly and, and explaining to you with respect how they feel when it comes to racism wow so when you go woke it's really you're going you're getting angry well, and, and but you're but you're it's almost like if i was if, if i was going to insult you and say you're you know you're a stupid this person that person your identity that to me is like what we see with wokeness it's this idea that white people have some kind of inherent badness to them or something that whiteness represents more like it's it's the most insane thing I, I mean, so you could take on social justice and be like i think you shouldn't be twerking for kids but if you start going you're an idiot for twerking for kids then you're becoming woke it, it's it's well Perhaps. there's there's a couple a couple things one i think a lot of wokeness is a quest for power not a quest for compassion certainly yeah so you're wrong bend your knee or else i'll take your job away yeah whereas what i see in the falcon winter soldier is you know there's one guy who uh one of the characters seems to me to represent wokeness animosity towards white people and the american flag and the main character rejects that and says no i like this flag i'm gonna fight for this country well, you know, it's it's all negative. Everything you've just described is purely negative, right? P- wokeness is this purely negative campaign, and it's that's just the new term for political correctness. There's all, all all sorts of terms. Part of what the left does is just change the terms all the time, so right. that that's the new one. But it gets back to something that Karl Marx said, which is getting back to quoting Karl Marx every so often. <laughs> Karl Marx, in a letter uh, in, oh gosh, I forget the year, he called for the ruthless criticism of all that exists. 
And this was taken up later by radical uh, Marxist theorists and a practical politician, Antonio Gramsci, in his construction of uh, what you'd call cultural hegemony, Western Marxism. This is taken up in the Frankfurt School and critical theory, which now we see the derivation of critical race theory. It's dominated the universities. That is the woke indoctrination comes from critical theory. And once you get past all the pretentious jargon in these crazy theories, what is the theory? It's very simple. The theory is to criticize. It's the same thing Marx called for. It's just because guess what? I've noticed this about bigots. You know, my friend Andrew Clavin points this out a lot. Bigots are not always wrong about the other guy. They're just wrong about themselves. <laughs> you know, they're really good at criticizing everybody else, yeah. but they don't see their own flaws. Everything is susceptible to criticism. So it's a very, very easy sort of new pseudo-academic discipline. And there's no end to it. It's just rubble is going to be the end of it. I, I think, you know, one of, one, of, one of the ways to look at it is uh, I had a conversation with a bunch, of Trump, a bunch of Trump supporters over dinner when I was in, I think it was in California. Yeah. This was during, like, the Trump campaign era. I think it was uh, maybe just after he got elected. And I was talking about historical racism and immediately the reaction was like laughter and like, you know, oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like, legit. No, like, I mean it sincerely. I mean it seriously. And like, yeah. oh, you're not joking. And then I explained to them like redlining and blockbusting yeah, where yeah. we actually have legit racist policies in this country that have a negative impact on communities, you know, of color into the, uh, uh, into modern, the modern era. But institutionally, we've actually made that all illegal. Yeah. However, the remnants still exist. And so the, the way I see it is, when I treat people with respect and say, just hear me out on this because I, I want to understand you, you get respect back. That's, that, that I think is totally fine. I, I actually have no problem with seeing that in a TV show. The issue is when instead of saying like, Michael, let me explain to you something about my experience. They say, you're a stupid white man. Nazi. F you, you yeah. fascist. Yeah. And like when movies are predicated upon berating and insulting you. Yeah. That's get what go broke. Well, you know, the, the late philosopher Roger Scruton pointed this out. He said, civilization thrives on forgiveness, on confession first, and then forgiveness. And when I confess that I've done something wrong, even if it's confessing historical wrongs at the national level, whatever, I sacrifice my pride. And when you forgive me, you sacrifice your resentment. And we, we have both sacrificed something that we cherish <laughs> that, yeah. that really means a lot to us. And that's the only way you can move forward. But if you're not going to get that, if you're going to have a whole culture permeated by resentment where you get it every, you get it in school, you get it in sometimes as a matter of law, and you get it even when you want to relax and go to the movies and that's all you get. It's pride. Right. Right. It's, it's really interesting because I've had so many experiences where I, I've always been very confident in myself. I don't need to justify or validate myself to others. And so I just, you know, I don't, I don't, but there's a lot of people who are proud. Yeah. They need others to know how good they are, how big they are, and it gets them in trouble. Well, you know, true humility does away with false modesty. There are some, there's some people who can't take a compliment. That's just another form of pride, right? That's just a kind of, that's just the flip side of it. But, but true humility, you can say, yeah, okay, I did this right. This was all right. You know, hey, thanks, man. It's cool. Moving on, focusing on other things. Trying to move forward. In 2006, I, I decided to use YouTube videos as a form of confession. And I started making videos about my past and my history and the mistakes and the lies I've told. Yeah, and yeah. it allowed me to clear my mind. All, I was able to start thinking full, complete sentences. And I had I can have a silent mind now. 
you're a braver man than I am. When I want to confess, I go into a little black box with a scrim where I change my voice and stuff. That's very brave. I got ridiculed so hard for so many years. To this day, I will still I still get comments on those videos. They're all up online, and I would intrigue. Well, why'd you do it? If you don't mind my social asking. experiment, I thought someone could. What would Jesus do with this technology? Yeah, he, he'd, 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 certainly... he'd prostrate himself to the to the humanity and beg them to come together. So I tried that. Pride, pride goeth before the fall. Yes. I was like, I remember yes. that. I got to look that up. I, I, I think about that, especially in the context of news. All of these journalists are so desperate for validation. Yeah. Their pride consumes them. They won't admit that when they're wrong, they refuse to be wrong, and they'd rather win above all else. We need humility desperately. Yeah, but we, we, the, the problem is, because I agree, oh, if only we could do that and you could, everyone would just confess and it'd be cool, <laughs> right? But the, the problem is right now with, with cancel culture, which is a real phenomenon. It's, it's a, it's a very specific phenomenon. It's a leftist phenomenon. When the left says, well, you know, in the fifties, conservatives canceled communists. Yep, we did. That was awesome. That's great. Every society has boundaries. But what's going on right now is that if you go wave the flag, the American flag, or you don't, go along with some woke uh, fashion to castrate kids or something, then you lose your job. That is cancel culture. And if you uh, in any way admit that you're wrong, let's say you actually legitimately do something wrong. I on occasion have done that. And I, I wish that I could apologize for that. You, ca- you can't. Because the minute that you apologize, you're dead. They will never forgive you. You saw it with the guy who hosted The Bachelor. You oh, saw yeah. it with all the, a number of other journalists sometimes. You're dead. So, you, so what do you have to do? You you simply cannot enact that humility. Yep, it's an admission of guilt. It's an admission of guilt, yeah. and and you won't. There's no redemption. So you right. got it. Yeah, I, I lost. I was in Hollywood as an actor, and after I started doing that, no one would cast me. They thought I was like dangerous. That which I was because I would call. I would have called them out and destroyed that. You got to keep that, the secrets, that man. Disgusting yeah. secretive community. I would have, and uh, they <laughs> look, knew look, that. Look, look at uh, uh, you know, Harvey. People do. Yeah. For, they do Secrets. forgive, but if you if you have a job that you can lose, you'll probably lose it if you go that route and yeah. you try to be humble. Um, if you work for yourself, you're in a much better position. And YouTube ads, you know, you can kind of work for yourself there. I don't know. I'm getting off on a tangent. <laughs> well, you can you, you you can build a business, but I, I find it fascinating that uh, the 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 left I think is consumed by pride. Yes, I think that's yeah. a, that's a big factor, and I think when you are, you can't admit when you're wrong. Yeah, And if you can't admit when you're wrong, you can't improve yourself. Well, you ever notice this about stupid people? Is stupid people think that they're really, really smart. And then smart people. The first thing you notice about smart people is that they're very aware of how stupid they are. And it's not false modesty. They're actually aware of it. Because maybe, I don't know, maybe the smart person met a smarter person one time and just kind of put it all into perspective. It is a, it is a fail-proof uh, rule of thumb. The, the the loudest voices in the room who are there they are they will never admit that they're wrong. You really right. gotta listen to people to discern that for yourself because if a smart person says something that a stupid person doesn't understand, the stupid person will tell the smart person they're not making any sense yeah. and that they're the <laughs> right. stupid. So they don't. This yeah, is yeah. Bukowski. Bukowski. Yes. Oh, yeah. The problem with the world is that the intelligent people are full of doubts while the stupid ones are full of confidence. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't even know that book, The Big Bukowski. It's a great movie. <laughs> the Big Bukowski. Getting back to movies. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> so what do we do? Are we, so we just humiliate ourselves? No, no, well, you don't want to humiliate yourself. You just, well, you for just, humility, I mean. you, yeah, but you, there's a difference. There's a, you know, there wh- when you humiliate yourself, you, yourself? you, you no longer have any, uh, dignity. You're sort of offending your own dignity. When, when Christ says, for instance, uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, if you hate your, if you truly hate yourself, 
uh, then you know it's not going to be great for your neighbor. So there is there is a recognition of human dignity here. I mean, that, that kind of explains a lot of leftism, leftism yeah. as well. A lack of self confidence, a, 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 a lack of understanding who you are. And that same level is translated to other people they also have no empathy or sympathy for. There's also virtue and vice are real things. It's not just your opinion, man. They really are real things. And I do think there's a lot of shame. I I mean, you know, all this shout your abortion nonsense or this slut walks or whatever is the lady doth protest too much, methinks. A little bit right. (laughs) I mean, clearly something is gnawing at them. And I, I say this is at various times in my life. You know, I was an atheist for 10 years and I acted like it. You know, you, you can really give yourself over more to just kind of doing whatever you want, vices and all this. And there are other times when you try to avoid that and you try to tame your will down. And I will just tell you. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's better. There is a reason that people have long sought the virtuous life. And if you have a country that is just racked by this shame and this guilt and this resentment this anger and this self-hatred and they don't know what to do with that you're gonna it's like a powder keg it's gonna pop maybe we need uh what was it called bushido was that the, the bukowski lebowski lebowski no yes wait what was that the, ancient, the ancient japanese honor uh, honor code yeah, bushido. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> no i'm talking about like um honor yeah. yeah. You know, uh, let me throw in a Star Trek reference while I get the chance. Excellent. Oh, boy. <laughs> the, 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 I, you know, I absolutely, uh, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek. You're a fan of Star, you're a fan of Star Trek? I've never seen even okay. a well, single property. In the original Star Trek, there were, uh, you've heard of Klingons, I'd imagine. Yes, I have. So the Federation is a, a, uh, United Federation of Planets. It's very much reminiscent of the idea of America with classically liberal values. Yeah. And there are Klingons and, oh, they're enemies. When the next generation was made, which was, you know, I think 1989 or 88, 89, maybe, they, uh, all the truckers are going to be mad at me for not knowing the exact year. They, they, the show starts with a Klingon serving on board a Federation ship to show that in the time span from the first series to the second, peace has been achieved. In the story, what happened was a distress signal was sent out by a Klingon colony that was being attacked by Romulans. Yeah. Aliens started attacking, killing women and children. The Federation uh, Enterprise of its era went in without help and they all died trying to save their enemies. And the Klingons saw that as a great act of honor because they're a culture of honor and warriors. And so that's what ignited a peace agreement. I just bring that up because I'm really, that, that story is so awesome. This amazing yeah. writing yeah. about how, how honor actually like what it, what it really meant and that you had this warlike warrior race that watched these, you know, classically liberal federation types say like, we're going, we're probably going to die, yeah. but we want to save our, our own enemies. I think back to these stories about Batman and Superman refusing to kill at all costs because yeah. it was, it was, it was about what was true to them, what was, what was right and what was honorable. And now we have a moral fa- framework yeah. in wokeness that's built upon just having power, which means they will sacrifice you. They will, they will, they will, they will figuratively burn you at the stake because they want power. 
There's no honor. But honor honor doesn't, it couldn't possibly exist because we're actually told these two contradictory frameworks, right? These two contradictory anthropologies, one of which is we're meat puppets and all of these metaphysical things like honor, love, joy, dreams, it, it's all just delusions. It's just synapses firing in our brain. It's, all, it's just a joke, right? So that's one story we're told. Then we're told the total opposite story, which is that Gnostic story, that actually the ultimate reality is just my innermost self that is whatever I want, whatever I perceive is is reality. But there, too, there's no such thing as honor. It's just my, my willfulness, as you say. And it, I think part of the reason they tell us to believe in both of these contradictory ideas at the same time is what Orwell described as doublethink. He says mm-hmm. doublethink. The, the, the thing about doublethink is it makes you unwilling and unable to reason because you got to hold the two contradictory ideas at the same time. But both of them exclude the the real world that you're describing, which is, oh, there's something beyond my will. There, There is such a thing, and we can deny it all we want, but, you know, I recognize it when I see it. There's such a thing as honor. Now, let's break down, you know, the, 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 the connection. Batman won't kill. Superman won't kill. They, they've had their stories where they have, for sure, but the general idea. Yeah. And why it was – the story was written. I'm not saying that Klingons are real. It was written by people in the yeah. United States who believed in the value of it. Imagine you have a moral framework, framework that understands honor. In this, the Batman won't kill the Joker. Yeah. Excellent writers have explored what happens when you have people with no honor meeting people mm-hmm. with honor. And in one of the one of the storylines in, uh, in in the DC universe is that the Joker poisons Superman and then detonates a nuclear device, killing millions. And Superman has a psychotic break where he says, if you just killed him, this would have never mm-hmm. happened. If you choose to sacrifice yourself to save your own enemy and they don't share your morals, they'll laugh as you do it. And then slit your throat once once you've saved them. They you will you will pull them up from the cliff because you're the good guy with honor who says I must save even the bad guy. And then as soon as you do, they'll try and push you off the edge. So yeah. you have people in the United States right now. I being a fan of Star Trek and these stories of Batman and these these you know there's just t- stories for kids. But it inspired me and it's, it made me understand what was honorable and moral. That means. I'm not willing to lie, cheat, or steal. Yeah. But it means the other moral framework of might makes right from the woke, they absolutely will. Especially during times of war. With you look at the British uh, in the Revolutionary War, for instance, the British were fighting in lines, standing up out in the open honorably, and the, and the Americans were hiding in the woods, stealing, lying, it's, sending it's, false orders. That is mostly a myth. There, it, it really was a lot of the same thing. The, like meeting on battlefields, I guess, but we did adopt some guerrilla tactics. Yeah, to enhance yeah. your point, yeah. lying, cheating, and stealing was George Washington's forte. Like he was that a master is a, of an deception. outrageous calumny. No, was, I disagree with was, that. I'm he was, sorry. He was a spy. He, he would send false orders and lie and confuse the enemy. Well, the, in their the, back the armies lines. used spies, as all yeah, armies do. He was but a master spy. George Washington is one of the most virtuous men who has ever walked Definitely, the earth. Definitely, but he was a killer. He, ooh, he was a killer, but he was a justified killer. And I, I mean, I think this is this is what we're getting at here, which is the the honor of it all means, well, you say, okay, I want to be honorable, and uh, but then if my, ki- if my enemy doesn't recognize that honor, he's going to slip my throat, and what a fool I am, he's going to laugh at me. Yeah. But it's... <laughs> you, but we, you, still, we still do it. And you, you have to recognize... You can't fake it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh, there, it's very popular right now, I've noticed, in the kind of center and some disaffected liberals and on the right to say... Man, all those old things we used to have, like dignity and honor and r- religion and all, you know, that, I, I know that that's good. 
but I can't bring myself to believe in it. Douglas Murray says this a lot, the, the British writer. He'll say, look, I'm, I'm a Christian atheist. You know, basically, I think it's good, but I, I can't bring myself to believe in it. And the thing is, I sympathize with these people who know that it's a good thing, but they can't bring themselves to actually believe in it. You can't fake it. You actually have to believe that there is an objective moral order that the Joker, he's going he's gonna to get his just desserts. His, he's going to get his comeuppance. Maybe not in this life, but in the life to come. That, that there actually is a, an objective good. It's not just a sort of nice social thing that we all agree on to have a good society. Because if you just pretend, then I think when it comes down to it, the real rubber meets the road, it's going to fall. We're, 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 we're about to jump to Super Chats, but I want to tell you my, um, <clears throat> my kind of, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it, religious view or so. Or so. so first, uh, I absolutely believe in God. And I think one of the challenges a lot of people have when it comes to the idea of God is that they have, I guess, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but a child's view of what God would be. Yeah, big and man in the sky. Exactly. Yeah. As opposed to a force beyond human imagination like yeah. you can't even conceive of what outside of time and space which which, which, right, which by right, the right. way not not to interrupt but if god is to exist at all he must in his fullness be incomprehensible because if you could cram him into your little head he just by definition wouldn't be god exactly yeah. you know so i i think that's the first mistake people make and that they assume when people talk about god it's a guy with a beard sitting on a cloud yeah. and i'm like you know like a child would imagine it or a com a comedian would depict it yeah. so i i definitely believe <clears throat> In, in, in God, but I think this you you mentioned you, we have to view that, that you, we have to believe that Joker will get his comeuppance. Yeah, there's something else that drives me to, in, in all this. And I started thinking about this a while ago about what's the point of life? What is what? Why is why is life? I can't tell you um, because it's a great philosophical question that I don't think you know. We are but small little meat. I, I could give whatever. you an answer. Yeah, to, to know God and enjoy Him forever. Is the it's the well, from the catechism. So from from my understanding of philosophy, the things I have read, the things I think, I understand that view, especially having grown up Catholic, but I started to think about, I, I, need, I need a function, right? Like, let me try and look at the universe to, to, to what we claim to know about it, and we certainly don't know much, and a lot of these ideas are probably wrong. That's what science does. It gets things wrong and then improves upon them later. And I started thinking about entropy and negative entropy, and I started thinking about what life does, organizing free energy into complex systems from the most rudimentary of self-replicating proteins to single-celled organisms to multi-celled organisms to beyond that with ecosystems, where at first you have a multicellular organism consuming free energy and literally converting it into a replica of itself and expanding and having more and more kids. And then eventually, you know, 10 fish becomes 100 fish. They're converting those particles into fish. They're organizing things. They're creating. Eventually, you get abstract creations like an ecosystem where beavers start manipulating their environment and then uh, you know, an acorn falls and a squirrel plants it for the winter but forgets where it is and then a tree grows. Then you get humans who start creating, creating complex systems in, in the abstract languages, ideas. They start mapping the universe. And I thought to myself, creation, but not, not in the sense that we can create because we can't. We can only change things. We're procreators, yeah. We're not, right. we're not actual creators. So yeah. I think, to me, what I find to be the, the, the simple driving factor in all of this is that we are a force for good. And what is that good? It is to fix things, to protect things, to organize things, to grow things, to learn things. And that's the most simple way I could ever see it, that we organize, we organize. It's the most rudimentary way to look at it. However, 
Think about what's good and what's bad. Killing is wrong. It horrifies people. It's the most, one of the most evil things a person can do. Having children is one of the greatest things a person could do. And so I think about why I would oppose the Joker is because he destroys. Yeah. He, he, he hurts and he causes detriment. The one thing I see life doing is creating, procreating, developing, and that's what we should strive to do. Well, you're, you're, it's, that's what you've just given is not a simplistic answer. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple answer, but it's not a simplistic one. You're, you're saying that you think that the purpose in life is to pursue the good. That, that is just obviously true. I yeah. mean, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, when I give the answer that it's to know God and enjoy Him forever, uh, it, that's just a, a more elaborate version of that answer, right? Which is that the, the good, the true, and the beautiful as the transcendentals of being or have some sort of relation to one another and the ultimate expression of that is, is in God, and uh, but your answer is totally right. I think I have to complicate I, it though, because in order to grow children, you have to kill and consume. So destruction is a part of this organization. Yes, in order to have negative entropy, you must create more entropy. But we are, I think, I think I agree with you in that what we are what we are doing as a species is, is we are getting to the best of our ability to, to try and know God. Yeah, I think, in my opinion. We are here because God wants us to protect and, protect and create and grow. And th- through our expansion of knowledge and philosophy and understanding, we are coming to know God better and better. Have you guys seen chimatics in action? Have you ever seen chimatics? No. Uh, it's when sound vibrates a membrane with, like, rice on it, and the membrane, yeah. the rice oh, will yeah, vibrate. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, what God, this, this universal vibration is, like, making our bodies behave a certain way. I don't know if fate is real. I don't know how you feel about fate and free will, and if we're just well, destined. I think providence is real, and free will is also real, and that's a complicated, uh, you know, situation. But yeah, surely there is, there is a an order to things, and there is a providence and an unfolding of reality. Let, uh, let, let, uh, let's put a tack in this, and we'll do the the, the bonus segment because we can go a lot longer because we we do have to do super chats. Yeah, a lot of people have questions for you, Michael. But right. uh, then we can do a. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'm going to take all of Michael Malice's questions on that super yeah. chat. I don't <laughs> care how many come in. I want them all. Michael Malice's. <laughs> yeah. All right. We we got uh, Jordan Jones. He said, "Oh, oh if, if you haven't already." Get your super chats in. We'll read as many as we can. Smash the like button. Become a member at TimCast.com. We will have a bonus segment coming up. We're going to talk about philosophy, God, probably DMT. A lot of DMT. Or am I on the Joe Rogan show? Hold yeah. on. Is that? Yeah. Did uh, we? Hold but, on. But it's only. Yes. But it's but it's Ian's influence. <laughs> yeah. You know. Let's talk about it. All right. We'll do that. So go to TimCast.com. Sign up, and uh, let's read some super chats. We got Jordan Jones. He says, "Michael Knowles, I'm still subscribed over to the Daily Wire almost entirely because I enjoy your content. All Keep right. triggering libs and doing what you do." Be dapper. Thanks, man. You hear that, Ben? By the way, that was a subscriber only there for me. <laughs> don't you, you don't you tow my car in the parking lot? You know, uh, I enjoy the triggering of libs and cons. I I think, they're I, huge. They're great. I think people who get triggered, Ben is really good at not being triggered. Yeah, and that's enjoyable when Ben rolls with the punches, <laughs> and you got to do it. So, trigger away. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Threadian says, "Michael, I bought your first." I bought your first book for our White Elephant Exchange a few years ago, and it was a monstrous hit. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it, it, it is funny with that, the blank book. It's called Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide. It's totally blank. And I just did it to irritate my Democrat friends and relatives. I, was, I thought I'd sell like 20 copies or something. But the, the fact is, much like Thucydides, it is not for the applause of the moment. It is an eternal contribution for all time. It remains true Every single year, right. truer and truer by the year. So Ageless. thank you. I'm glad it was a hit. I know you like you just bragged to Ben 
So I'll read you this one. <laughs> Rampton says, can y'all have Andrew Clavin next time instead? Real nice. Cool. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yeah. Hey, you chased my guest away. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. 3D Pyromaniac says, let's see how long until Knowles plugs his newest book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order on Amazon, at least until they find out what it says. Wow. <laughs> That sounds like a very. Could you repeat the name of that book? That's so interesting. I, I don't. I don't even need to plug it. Yeah. I've got. I've got what, all these wonderful what's it people. Called? It's called Speechless. Speechless. Controlling words, controlling minds. It's available now for pre-order. Oh, very cool. It's heard on Amazon, right? Until until they ban it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speechless. Because we have the best audience uh, of any podcast. Yeah. Yes, of course. Andrew, you says Star Trek: Next Generation, season four, episode twenty-one, Drumhead. Picard has to stop a witch hunt on the Enterprise. Fits so close to what the left does based on politics. For real, man. And what you need to understand about The Next Generation is that it was just written by a bunch of dudes in the late 80s and early 90s in America who held these values and were, tr- and mm-hmm. were explaining to them to people. It's amazing. Man, what a, what, a, what a great show. Basically, the show is someone's accused. I think this is what he's, he's accused of. Is this the one where they accuse the guy of being a spy? Then they go around. They want to prosecute everybody, and it's just lock them all up because they're you know they're spies. Ah. Papa Bear says, "Tim, big fan. I'm a veteran, libertarian, and West Virginia native. Wokeism is in our universities, although there are still some intelligent professors. That's true, man. That's true. It's, a, it's only getting worse. What, 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 what is going on with this?" Eli Wood, are you are you guys having the Daily Wire people send super chats or something? Are they? What are they doing? What's he saying? <laughs> I can't wait to see how many times Michael will plug his new book, Speechless, <laughs> Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order so, during tonight's show. So I will say, so my my book, <laughs> your audience. So man. my so I, I've really conditioned them like Pavlov's I dog. Love it. I have because I, so my book doesn't come out for two months. They're actually one of the wow, big tech really? companies. Is, yeah, and it, but they're already kind of messing with the publisher's mm-hmm. advertising campaign. Mm-hmm. So I started. I, I knew this might. Have happen so i started plugging it seriously i started plugging it like like three months out Uh, and but it's not just i'm not smooth about it i am i mean we're talking like frying pan over the head we so they actually the producers on my show created a little bing a little bell every time i do it and uh it you know if i do it like four times like the screen starts to shake you know the universe starts to fall apart so it's uh yeah it's a pavlovian reaction right on it's working great so everyone's now super chatting so that I read and <laughs> yeah. plug your book for you. Beautiful. Man, that's great. All right. I'll Fight You Naked says, oh. I wrote a piece on Medium called Letter to a Woke Heart. You can cite all the facts and statistics, but that rarely makes a difference. However, if you can tell a story that shows the end of the road they are going down, you have a chance. Interesting. Yeah. The, the issue is, you know, I worked for these nonprofits. Not only did they train me how to convince someone of your political ideology very quickly and very easily in a matter of minutes on the street with someone you've never met before. I was also particularly good at it just on my own. But the problem I had was one day, it was when Deepwater Horizon happened. Mm. They gave us our talking points. And I was reading about this and I was like, man, this is bad. And I was standing on the street and I was talking to a guy and I cited a number and he goes, that's not true. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's, this many gallons are spelling. It's right no, here. it's not. And then he pulled up his phone and he's like, no, it was, it, it, it's, it's you know, it's, it's this many number. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I must have had the wrong facts. He's like, you're coming, you're coming out here trying to lie to me to get, to make me give you money. And I was like, I'm sorry, dude. I had no idea. Someone must have given something wrong. My apologies. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he walks away, call the office. And they're like, don't worry. Just keep saying it. <laughs> oh, and no. I was like, nah, you mean to tell me you had me lying out here? Wow. Yeah. And so I got really mad. I thought I was doing something good. Mm. I thought I found a job where I was like, I was going to help. And then it turns out I was helping their bottom line instead. 
Yeah, well, because if the, if the number that they gave you is a more persuasive story, well, that's all they care, right? If you don't, it's like CNN. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, might have. Yeah, were you working for CNN at the time? Right. No, but we did fundraise like basically a block away from them. Did you really? Yeah, this was, I was, I was, uh, this was when I was out in LA. Yeah. And then oh, I, I was the just building. like, yeah, man, this is not legit. And I'll tell you this. If I wanted to, if, if, if I felt the ends justified the means. Yeah. Oh man, I, there'd be no question. I'd do whatever I wanted. But the problem is there, there are no ends. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's the question of, um, you know, once you stage your glorious revolution, how will you protect your, how will you protect it from the next glorious revolution? Yeah. You think you're justified in using violence, deception, and manipulation today. Then why would you stop doing it tomorrow? Well, it's perpetual. You know, Fidel Castro, when he's 92 years old, he's still wearing the military fatigues. Yeah. Like, it's still the Cuban Revolution 50 years later. Do you think that, um, like, along the lines with that last guy super chatting, that you, in order to help people, you're trying to explain a potential end to the road that is disastrous to warn them? I don't know. I don't know if that's enough. Maybe this, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier thing will move people away from Antifa. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I mean it because maybe what people, people need to realize when they're like, ah, oh, it's woke, it's really bad. Maybe from a conservative perspective, it's got too much social justice, it's like, oh, you know, racism and whatever. But maybe to somebody who's been beaten over the head by the wokeness, you open the door by showing them something they can relate to. Hey, racism is bad. You know, look, the cops are bad. And then you have the villains literally be Antifa. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, Captain America can stop you. I believe in America and the American flag. Mm. It's also, don't forget, the left, it's not that the left loves Antifa. They recognize Antifa is a very dangerous thing that wants to burn it all down. So they just use them. They're the sort of tactical military wing. I think I heard you describe it this way. I heard someone describe it this way. That Antifa is effectively the militant wing of the, the establishment. But you gotta rein it in sometimes. <laughs> when they're, when yeah. they're causing more harm than good, you gotta rein them in. And maybe, maybe now they're kinda like, okay, you know, we had Antifa for a few years. It helped yeah. us with Trump. And now we're gonna, you know, maybe, maybe tone it down a little bit and cut them off and kick them out. Yeah. We'll see how yeah. that plays out. All right. Chris Pavato, Pavoto says, as you often say, FB knows when we use the bathroom or other tracking ideas. Would the government seriously touch Section 230 if shared our info? In the wild, it's easier for the prey to hunt the weakest in packs as people are socially divided and preoccupied. Uh, I don't know what you mean. Would they touch Section 230? Maybe uh, are you saying that as long as Facebook is allowed to operate with impunity, they can steal or our if information? they share it with the government? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right. If they share our info with the mm -hmm. government, then they're going to protect their right to keep doing it. Yeah, well, there clearly is a partnership between these big tech firms and, and the government. I actually asked Bill Barr this question when he was AG. I said, all right, you're going to go after Section 230? He said, all of the above. Fraud, Section 230, all, all sorts of things. That's what we, that's how we have to go after right. it. I said, okay, so why, why aren't you doing it? And he said, there is a procedural difficulty here, which is that you'd be using different departments of the federal government. Even within the DOJ, you'd be using different departments. And we've never done something like this before. That the, the big tech companies are a new thing. That's why they've been able to do whatever they want. And the government is not particularly good at uh, taking on new challenges, and it's especially not good when it's benefiting in some ways from these mm -hmm. challenges. And so it was, it kind of left me a little crestfallen and, and pessimistic about it because I don't see the incentive, and frankly, I don't even see the ability of these bureaucrats and DOJ officials to take them down. Right on. Turk Longwell says, Tim, as a patriot, as a Marine vet, as an American, I loved the last episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's about being an, an American, not skin color. 
I completely agree. I was I was so stoked when he was like, I'm going to wear this flag and go beat up these, you know, open borders, you know, black clad individuals who think they can do whatever they want. All right. Uh, Opossum says, oh, man, I was hoping the Daily Wire guest was going to be Matt Walsh. I saw some of that. Hold, hold on. <laughs> I how do I how do I do my I'll do my best Matt Walsh impression. Just ask me anything. Two plus two equals. What's two plus two equal? Four. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much Matt. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Matt happy. Super cranky. Matt yeah. sad. Mm-hmm. Matt angry. Mm-hmm. I watched the Candace Owens first day thing. Yeah. Stay out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Evil Zombie Hamster says, what's Rachel Maddow doing on the show? Real nice. I thought it was going to be someone from the Daily Wire. <laughs> JK, love you, Michael. I listen to you almost every day. You're very kind. I left my Warby Parkers at home just to avoid... <laughs> Comparison. That that mistake, yes. I do love how they're paying to insult you, but also tell you how yeah, they love you. I'll take it, man. Oh, they're you know, joking. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I either get people paying to promote my book or to call me a <laughs> lesbian on MSNBC. <laughs> I love it. That's your joke. You start. Come and take them, says Tim. I sent a chat last week, re my film. 10K investment in Timcast production. Multiple creators looking for help, but haven't received a reply via Spin the UFO. Apology for the indelicacy, but had the follow uh, but had the follow up. Hope y'all are well. Pitches at Timcast.com is now the email. And just keep in mind for everybody, we get a ridiculous amount of emails and we just we try to go through them. But you also gotta understand a lot of people send like bad emails. A lot of people send really great ones, and we got to sift through it and, you know, figure of, out what we can. A lot do. of long emails, a lot of not-so-nice not yeah. so emails. Yeah, that so. too, yeah. All right, let's see. The Fulcrum says, Tim, did you see Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo the other night? They straight up take the side of the cop in the Columbus shooting. They did, yeah. Lemon even yeah. says, tasers don't always work, blew my mind. There was even a moment where Chris Cuomo said, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. And Don Lemon goes, no, no, that's not true. Wow. You can. Yeah. And he goes, Chris, you're a lawyer. You should know this. And he's like, no, you can't do that. And Don Lemon, I'm like, I, I'm, wow. Don Lemon's correct. Yeah. You can you, yell fire in a crowded theater. It's fun. Don Lemon does this thing where if, if you look at Don Lemon from like seven years ago, hmm. he was defending Bill O'Reilly sometimes. Mm. He was, Don Lemon was, was much more moderate. And as with all those guys at CNN, I think they just, for a while, they said, okay, you got to go far left. And what do they do? So they go far left. Go dance. They're pulling the strings, you know. Sad. And Bob says, two of the three people I listen to daily. Wow. I have Crowder's mug, Michael's tumbler. Tim, when will you release your drinking vessel? (laughs) P.S. There's a Tim Pool Discord, well moderated. Find on Reddit. Love you both and uh, both and crew. Actually, I don't, I I think there is already a Timcast mug available if you go to the store. But it's it's I think the only thing you can get is I, I made this little drawing a couple of years ago of the uh, Illuminati pyramid with the, the it's the um, the slogan for the U.S. Office of, Office of Censorship toppled over. And it was just like a little piece of art I made. And I was like, oh, I'll slap it on something. But I do think we have a mug that's about to come out. And it's an Ian mug. Ooh, and excellent. it's the Drake yeah. meme of Ian. And there's an alligator underwater, and Ian's like, no. And then there's an alligator on land, and he's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> because, Don't fight an alligator underwater. That's right. Because we were talking, and we were talking about getting dragged on Twitter, and yeah. then Ian said, yeah. Don't fight an alligator underwater. You want to... Don't don't play their game. Don't mm, get in the mud pit. Yeah, like, that's true. That's a good that's a good point. But Ian was no, I, I, I was like these people on Twitter, you'll be you'll be talking about a serious idea and then all of a sudden they'll change the subject and try to insult you. Yeah. And then Ian just goes, Yeah, you don't want to fight an alligator underwater. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, That's an excellent point. analogy. So we're gonna have a mug of you know, 
you can drink fresh coffee out of that. That's right. <laughs> that's really strong. Well, yeah. we might. We'll okay. see. We'll see. You know. That's the old. That's the old advice about don't wrestle a skunk because even if you win, you're gonna. <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna smell great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sock puppet Joe says, "Can you guys get Coleman Hughes on the show? Oh, maybe if Coleman wants to come on the show. I've actually interviewed Coleman Hughes in the past, so uh, perhaps." Brandon says, Michael, I've been listening to your show since it first aired back when I wasn't sure where I stood politically. Thanks for helping inspire the patriotism and values in me to join the USAF. Best decision I ever made. Man, that's awesome. Cool. Well, uh-huh. thank you for your service. That is, I was afraid it was going to say, you know, I've tried to figure it out by listening to your show. And now I joined Antifa. So <laughs> you, thank you, Michael, for, you know, that's I great, realized that's I awesome. hate you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, TWX Rated says, Tim is controlled opposition. Well, mm. I uh, am certainly not controlled opposition, but I am fully self-aware of the issue of the shift in the Overton window and why YouTube likes the idea that they have a channel like mine. Yeah. I, I think that the, I keep saying the CCP. I don't know. I don't know. But I think they have like sock puppets that comment that try to sway your mind as a YouTuber or as yeah. a public opinion so that you, without even realize it, start to repeat talking points. So maybe maybe we're all being. Cool. I also know there is a recording device under the beanie. I do know oh, for a fact Tim is oh. a fed. I know on that. the back yeah. of my head is a little dish. Yeah, <laughs> you never see the back, his back on on film. But there's yeah, no one's ever seen it. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, Thomas Cutler says Michael Knowles, Ben Shapiro let you out. <laughs> yeah. Your stuff is awesome. Keep up the good work. Thanks, man. I appreciate. It. I know I have to sneak out. Although it's 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 much easier these days. You know, Ben is spending more time in Florida and the land of the free. Mm-hmm. And now I get to be in in Nashville, which I guess is also kind of the land of the free out there. Uh, we're all we're all in a way better mood ever since we got out of Mussolini's uh, hellhole. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Michael Brogan says, "Holy s, it's Michael effing Knowles." That's it. That's the super chat plug. <laughs> Speechless, controlling words, controlling minds. Ping, ping, ping. Plug counter. <laughs> That was that's my favorite comment. Not you, only from this show, uh, from weeks, from weeks of my show too. What you have done with your show and your audience to plug this book is genius. Because now you come on my show and they're making that's me promote amazing. your book. Man, that is great. This <laughs> is what like why why do we have a marketing department at the Daily Wire? I don't. Seriously. I want to start getting their salary too. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna just memeify your marketing yeah. by having people really the, the really the yeah. viewers should be getting the salary. They're doing all oh, the marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, that'd be incredible. Then they can have more super chats. It's a nice. And then nice I can say, hey, hey, yeah. You know, hey, yeah. <laughs> Abby Long says, Michael. Now that Tim has sponsors, I'm sure he'd like to learn from the best how to seamlessly yes. transition. Yours are like sneaky ninjas wow that that is really nice you know what one thing you you need to do is you need to practice and you need to study but no one has any time so one one great way to study is through the great courses plus which you can (laughs) actually get right now with promo code Knowles. get a w-l-e-s and my i really i hope that they give me credit for an extra plug you know they do it by the read so i want i'm going to talk to the department yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. see what you can do it's good there you go that's how it's done s uh what is this sklizbot that's awesome. Michael, if you had one cigar to smoke before your time comes, what would it be? Be a Partagas 2008, 15 Anniversario, La Casa del Habano special release. That's what it would be. Huh. Are those available for purchase in the United States? They are not. They're not available for purchase. Any, not only are they contraband, they are not available anywhere. Rolled on the thighs of virgins. That's what they say. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's majestic. <laughs> a great cigar. Joey Martinez says, Ian, I'm sorry for being hard on you. It's not your fault you have white privilege and can't pick up what Tim lays down. Dude, 
I had to leave. Uh, one of my friends in L.A. told me I'd, we were in an argument about like Hillary Clinton and like her the email scandal and everything. And yeah. He was like, "You have you're you're you have white privilege," and I didn't know how to how to respond. It was like I felt betrayed by my friend. You, I, I gave up on the L.A. After so that. you because you knew a bunch of facts. You that's white. So you so the white privilege is like knowing things that seems very bigoted it was so weird i could not defend it it was the weirdest thing to be told that i had white privilege by someone yeah i, I didn't do i, so. I don't know if i can i'm kind of swarthy yeah, i don't know if yeah, I, I, I do i count i don't know it's the, I, the italian question yeah it's plagued racialists <laughs> for decades yeah. all right bottled water says won't lie and my fans know i struggle with addiction my mom died last year and my channel is my escape i see my falls i know my failures but i try Right on. Man, I'm yeah, sorry to hear that about your mom. It's yeah. a very, very difficult uh, thing to go through. It. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, it, uh, my mother also died when I was young, and uh, I don't know. I was I was like an atheist at the time. I didn't have any addictions or anything like that. But, but it it you know, yeah, I didn't have like a really coherent moral framework, and it's a that's a very difficult thing. So I, I hope in some way, you know, I do hope that in you can come to uh, not you know. Not just a wishful thinking or wish casting as you arrive at a moral framework or some understanding of the world. C.S. Lewis has a good line about this. He says that if you look for truth, you might find comfort in the end. But if you look for comfort, you'll find neither truth nor comfort, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin and in the end despair. Mm. So I think if you if you look for truth, hopefully you'll get a bit of comfort out of that. Right on. Good advice. Bubbles. FTW says, Knowles, you're awesome. Loved another kingdom. Thanks to you and Drew for that. Can you recount your argument to the walnut brains who think a regulated militia means the state should regulate? Oh, that's good. Man, I thought we were going down in another kingdom question, and then we get to... Yeah, well, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the well-regulated militia would obviously have to uh, be an antecedent to the state, right? Because if you've got this well-regulated militia, where, where the, where's the militia getting the arms from? Where is the militia getting its organization from? Especially in the case of the revolutionary era. Well, so you're saying we should embrace the left's argument on the well-regulated militia because it means the government has to give everyone guns. That's, I like, like Switzerland, yeah. actually. Yeah, that's – wow. I, man, I'm, thank you for the question. Thank you for the point. I'm going to take this argument way further. We need, we need such regulations that I want like two M60s delivered <laughs> to my door every year. I'm, I'm not kidding when I say universal health care. Okay. Oh, universal guns as well. Yeah. So we'll need a we'll need a Department of Gun Services mm-hmm. regulated by the government where you yes. can walk in, and as soon as you're 16, they've got uh, uh, your choice of a handgun and long gun. Yes. And you get one of each, as well as a box ammo for both. Now, I do think there should be a very simple test, like with driving test. Yeah. But not uh, uh, not uh, an identification system. You know, like obviously you got to go with your ID or whatever to prove who you are, so you can get the gun. Well, but that's but that would be racist. How oh, could, but oh, then that would be, point. that would be gun suppression in the, specifically in the black community. You're right. You can't have that. Okay. Nope. Um, you should be able to walk in and say one gun, please. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Convinced me. You think I'm joking. <laughs> I used to be kind of like middle of the road on 2A. I was like, no, I understand why we have it, but I think, you know, I've seen, seen some arguments about common sense, gun reform, and then I had some real conversations and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I was definitely wrong about that. So long as Second Amendment exists, it must be respected in all its forms. Then the riots happened, and I was like, I would like 150 BMG, please. Yes. And can yeah. I get a couple of those bullpup shotguns? And uh, how many guns can I legally buy right now? Everything. All of them? I'll take them all. I noticed it, too. You know, when I was single, I was, like, uh, cool with guns, but I didn't. I don't really care that much. Then I got married, and I thought, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd like to have a gun, just, you know, in case my wife gets out of line I'm, or something. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, I'm no, sorry. No, yeah, no, yeah. No, I'm, no. I'm sorry. Did you say a gun? Yeah, well, this was the issue. 
because I, you know, I was just t- testing the waters. I said, I want to be able to protect my family, but you know, it's just me and my wife, whatever. We're living in an apartment. Then I have the kid mm-hmm. and we moved to a house because we moved to Tennessee. And now I'm just like, hey, here is the wallet. I good, want all the guns. You need a good couple hundred. Yes, at least just to be, <laughs> you know, just to no, be safe. No, I think I'm obviously joking about, but I, I love how like these, it, it's not leftists. Leftists love guns. Yeah. They quote Marx all the time hmm. about it. It's yeah. these like urban uppity liberals who are yeah. very anti-gun. Yeah. And they all gloat to each other about gun nuts. And I'm like, dude, I don't take guns that seriously. I have a bunch. Because it's like a metal tube. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to jump up and attack you, by the way. It's, yeah. It's think, also, oh, well, saying? they, they refer to the, you know, the gun nuts and all these crazy people. And then they say things like, you know, yeah, he had a 200 round clip in his fully semi auto, you know, and they just have, they have no idea what they're talking about, you know, but we're the nuts. Do you think that teaching kids or like 16 year olds how to, how to build a gun, maybe 3D print parts and construct a gun and then fire it and learn how to fire it would, would make them be more likely to commit criminal acts with a gun? No. No, no. Then I think we should put it in like shop class. Absolutely. You totally. 100%. That's a good idea. Yeah. You, there, there are people walking around every day with guns and you don't know it. Yeah. yeah the, the amazing thing to me is that people, the reason like states like New Jersey and Maryland only allow concealed carry is because I guess people would freak out or something. But what that means is when you're in a state as restrictive as New Jersey, there are people all around you all the time carrying guns and you don't know it. Yeah. And it's, it's I, like I mean, you've not been shot. Have the, you? the key isn't. I don't. I don't like. I wouldn't make it the number one priority to teach the kids how to how to like three D print a gun because I want them to have a higher quality gun too. But the the real key is I need them to know how to use a gun just to be safe, just to be safe around my guns and just to be safe around other people. I was watching Jack Reacher the other day, and he walks up to a car, he hits the guy, he takes his gun, and then he just goes click 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 and disassembles it and throws it. And I'm like, see, a kid should be able to do that. Yes, should yeah. be able to press, you know, pull the hammer or whatever off and just. I yeah. felt phenomenally more confident after I fired gun. I've only been to the range once, but yeah. Luke was showing me Luke Rakowski how to like arm, how to load a gun, mm-hmm. where the safety is, how you trigger, how do you arm it, and it. I feel just like so much more confident as a human knowing that. Well, you know what Homer Simpson says about this? He says that when you hold a gun, you feel like how God must feel <laughs> when he holds a gun. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of uh, uh, have you the Futurama episode? You watch a lot, you ever see Futurama? Yeah, yeah. So it's the one where it's the what if machine and Leela goes to like basically the Wizard of Oz world. Then they go and meet the professor and. Uh, Fry, you know, walks up and then he's like, for you, a brain. And then he's like, why do people keep saying this? But then uh, Zoidberg is the cowardly lion. And he's like, I want courage. And he goes, oh, who needs courage when you have a gun? And then he gives him a gun. And then Zoidberg's like, ah, oh, ha, ha, ha. And they're spinning and going, pew, pew, pew. Who needs courage? Well, that, I think that's how uh, <laughs> Joe Biden and many people on the left want you to war, warn off the that's right. the bad guys. You just <laughs> yes. just shoot it in the air like a Mexican gangster. Joy yeah, Behar said that. Yes, no. She was I, like, "Why I, did the cop just shoot the gun in the air? <laughs> because the the bullet would come down and kill somebody." Yeah, have you ever heard of gravity? Gravity <laughs> yeah. is a big they problem. think the bullet goes to outer space. Yeah, <laughs> and then it like just keeps going. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if if it was that simple to launch things out of space, I tell you, yeah. All right. Christopher Knowles says, Michael, you and I share a name via my deadbeat grandfather. Coincidence? JK, nothing but love. Don't ever stop what you do. You're doing the Lord's work. Lord's work. Graphene for the win. Wow. That is great. I actually can't, from the writing of that question, I can't tell if that was just a coincidentally a Christopher Knowles or if that is my actual cousin Christopher. I'm going to say it's the latter, and here's why. My cousin Chris is a legendary sort of guy. Very, very, this is a guy who knows his way around a firearm. And I hadn't seen him for a while, you know, and that one time I'm waiting to give a speech, 
and I walked in. I was walking to UPenn, and he just like comes out from behind a pillar somewhere. He's like, "Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, hey." I was like, "Wow, oh, man, I can't. Where'd you come from? I haven't seen you in a while." <laughs> He's like, "Don't worry, I'll just be in the back. Just want to see the speech. See you later." He's very. So I bet it's him. He's always kind of around. He is. So very, very impressive guy. <laughs> Iron Price says, "When's the next time Luke will be on?" Luke abandoned us. He did. He left. It is unknown. He left. I'd be left. Luke's motives us. are his own. That's yep. true. Do you know Luke Rakowski? I know. I don't. No, he we, uh, he's a guy. He, he runs We Are Change, and he's got like, his own website and YouTube and stuff. And he was here for a little while. Everybody really loved him. And then he left us. And he's gone. He's gone. Onto better pastures. <gasps> like he's in Florida. He is in Florida, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is in Florida. Um, Bo Darville says, that's not Rachel Maddow. <laughs> Well, you know, we, could, you, we, we, we overpromised perhaps. How do you know? Have you ever seen us in the same room at the same Never. time? No. Yeah. Just lower your voice and you can do either show. <laughs> Dan says, I just want Michael to know that I had a really intense experience with edibles and watching compilations of him owning libs helped me through it. Also, his hair looks great. That's, that's an amazing super chat. It's like someone sitting right. there eating edibles like this is getting yeah. crazy. I better watch Michael Knowles. Oh, he's on the libs. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add to that. I'm just really pleased. Do you ever load up like a bunch of videos of you talking at the same time and listen to them all at once? Oh, yeah. Well, I only, I only watch myself. When in my free time, yeah, only. Of course, yeah. Yeah. It'll it'll change your life. Yeah. Yeah, I like to, to, after I record, I hit myself in the head so I forget everything I said and then watch it like it's new. Yeah. You've got to do it. Oh, eight of your videos and just my stuff, you can watch it on repeat though. It never gets old. It's really, oh, it's just great. Yeah. My wife loves it. The Raptor's Talent says pride, the virtue, is about understanding that humans, while capable of greatness, are only capable of so much. Pride, the sin, is the exaltation of self, the belief that you and only you are capable of greatness. That's a good way to put it. There's something to that. Inordinate love of one's own excellence, yeah. All right, I'm going to read it. Joseph Hoffman says, Michael, I'm looking forward to your new book, Speechless, <laughs> Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. Oh, Say the line. We'll make, wow. I'll, 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 yeah, right. Great. Bing. I'll make awesome. it worth it for, yeah. for Michael coming on the show. Right. Yeah. We've, man, I, I'm probably like number one right now on Amazon. I'll right. check after the show. I'll check after the show. All right. We'll do a couple more because we're going a little over and we, we have a ton of super chats. I really appreciate you guys. Thank I you wish guys. I could read every, everyone, but I can't. So uh, we'll, do, we'll just do two more. Charlie in Charge says, this is for everyone. What are your thoughts on changing your legal status to a secured party creditor, sovereign citizen, state nationalist, pros, cons? Are those things? Are those real? Or? Sovereign like, citizen? Is that like you're declaring your emancipation from your country or something? I don't know. If, if that's what it means, I'm against it. I love my country, even though my country is driving me crazy. Your mm-hmm. Love of country is an extension of your love of your parents. And you might, maybe you got good parents, maybe you got bad parents, but your parents are your parents, your kids are your kids. And I could, I could no more disavow my country than I could disavow my own family. This, this is the best country on the planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm open to the, um, the conversation and the, like, the logistics of that kind of thing, but I'm also kind of like, I like this, the defensive structure of the United States. You know, I mean, the legal liberal. structure for all its problems right now is still just like it's the a work best. Of art. I suppose the prison system in Norway is better. Yeah. It's basically a hotel. And, okay, <laughs> yeah. All right. But they're also like, what, 8 million people or something? Yeah. We got 330 million people. We got things we got to fix, man. I'm, I'm all for prison reform, but I think this is still the best country on the planet. Yeah, there's pros and there's cons for everything. I have but yeah. no I've, I've, interest in going any other country at all right now. COVID especially, but I just oh, have yeah. no interest. I love this country. This is the thing. Even when you go to countries that you like, I like Italy. I look Italian. Part of my family comes from Italy. Most beautiful art in the world. Good food. All, right. But I go to Italy. I've gone a handful of times. 
And after, I don't know, like five or six days, you just think, I'll give you an example. I was in Siena, and it's a nice old medieval town, and I go to the sandwich shop. The sandwich shop is called a paninoteca. Pan is the first, it means bread, it's the first part of the word, right? So I go, it's like noon, go to get a sandwich. It's closed. Why? I'm sitting there, I have a book, I'm just, okay, I'll just read, I'll wait. It probably is, okay. 20 minutes goes by, 30 minutes. 45 minutes goes by. The guy finally, he walks up. This is now uh, past my lunchtime. And I say, oh, good. Can I buy a sandwich now? He goes, non c'è pane. There's no bread. <laughs> I said, there's no, I said, well, can I, when can I? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to go out and get the bread. You can wait or you can go. I said, let me take, I want to give you my money. I want you to give me a good and a service for the, they don't get it. America gets it much more. Yeah. All right. This last one is a very serious one for you, Michael. Okay. Lex McCormick says, Michael. I struggle with the silence of God. I debate a Christian coworker often about God's absence in my life. Might might have you some insight for someone who is jealous of those with faith. Why can't I hear the burning bush? It is an evil generation that looks for signs and wonders. It is a stupid generation that ignores signs and wonders. And a lot of people, you know, who are maybe going down the wayward path. This, this happened to me, really, in, when I was, you know, in my full wayward youth and atheistic phase. Eventually, after the intellectual parts of it, of believing in God came through, after I was convinced about Christianity, only then did I start to have these sort of numinous experiences, which you'd call, you'd call religious experience. And a lot of people feel really honored by that. And it is, in a way, you know, in a way, if you recognize this sort of semiotic view of the world, all these rich and symbols. But also, you could read it as God looking at you and saying, Hey, buddy. Hey, you stupid idiot. Hey, I'm right here. Why can't you figure it out? You know, and so if you're not, if you're not feeling the emotional presence of God all the time, you know, okay. I'm sorry for you if you, you know, if you, if you really need that for your faith. God's existence is out, is, is true and permanent outside of the emotional feelings that you have. And it's not always going to be there and it won't always be away either. I think I told this, it's, I guess it's a sort of a joke yesterday about the, the guy in the flood. But considering what this question just was, maybe there's a lot of people who haven't heard it. So I'm going to say it again and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up on this. But let me just tell you that it's, it's a joke story, I guess. There is a man in his home and the news comes on that there's, you know, a horrible storm coming. And he prays and says, you know, my faith in God will, will keep me safe. And then all of a sudden, you know, a car pulls up. They run to the door. They bang on the door. Quick, we got to get out of here. The water is rising. It's going to start flooding. You've got to come with us. And he says, no, no, my faith in the Lord will, will keep me safe. And they say, no, 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 don't be crazy. He refuses. They leave. The water rises. He goes up to a second floor. He starts praying again. Then a boat comes to the window. And the guy says, quick, get in the boat. We're getting you out of here. We're going to save you. And he goes, no, no, I know that my faith in the Lord will save me. And they're like, you have to come. And he's like, I, I believe in the Lord. It's fine. And they leave. The water's rise. He climbs on his roof. Now he's praying and a helicopter comes and a guy's hanging from a ladder and he says, quick, climb up. We're going to save you. And he goes, no, I know that my faith in the Lord will save me. And they're like, don't be crazy. You have to get in the helicopter. And he refuses. The waters rise and he drowns. He ends up in heaven and he goes, he, he sees God and he goes and he says, I don't understand. I had faith in you. I Why did you save me? And he said, I sent a car, a boat <laughs> and a helicopter and you wouldn't take it. What am I supposed to do? And yep. I, I always thought that was a great, yeah. great joke. <laughs> that people expect um, too much of miracles, I think. They expect too much of signs. 
And it's an interesting question about what, you know, to me what faith is, because I, I am not theistic by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. No church for me, no Bible and stuff. But I will say this. I have seen some stuff in my life. It's undeniable when you see it. It's and undeniable. I, and, and, you know, someone told me something when I was younger. You can't give someone an experience. Yeah. And you so, can. you know, I was hanging out with these, uh, uh, these, these, these skater dudes that I knew. They were very Christian. And we were having philosophical conversations. It was amazing stuff. And they just said, I'm not interested in, in trying to justify my, my beliefs to you because, like, I'll explain to you how I feel. I'll tell you what I think is true and because I want to help you. But I understand I can't give you the experience I had. And I'm like, I totally understand that. Yeah. I, I, can, I can empathize. And then in my life, I've just seen things that, to me, have been profound and indicative of something greater. This is profound. I mean, just the fact that two saltwater monkey bodies are sitting here <laughs> verbal yeah. making communication. And I'm like, this is God talking to me through you, through the, your vibration in your yeah. these magical brain things. That, 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 that's the thing, right? Ian, when you talk about like magnetism and stuff, it's, it's easily just the mechanism of uh, mechanisms of God. And then mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who have either a reductionist view or a very simplistic view. And they'll say something like, no, that's not a miracle. That's just the vibrations. And it's like the mechanisms of God. Of all the things I've been called on this show tonight, saltwater monkey body. (laughs) It's my favorite one. That is very vivid. I heard you have a book coming out. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Only through the super chats. Only through the super chats. All right, everybody. Smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. If you like the show, share it with your friends and go to TimCast.com. Right in the top right corner is a little button that says members only. You can click that sign up and then in the members area you'll see we are going to have an exclusive members only section. We're gonna go we're gonna talk about God and faith a little bit more and, and Ian and magnetism and we'll 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 have some crazy profound, you know, conversations. So to check that out, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Timcast. This show is live Monday through Friday at eight PM. So we will, we'll be back Monday after this. You can check out my other YouTube channels, youtube.com slash TimCast and youtube.com slash TimCastNews. Michael Knowles, is there something you want to promote while you're well, here? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I got a few things going on. I do have this book, though. Oh. Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. It's available now for pre-order. We'll see how much longer, though. Ding. <laughs> what is it about, by the way? Well, you know, this and that. It's a lot about what we're talking about. I actually, I can give you a sort of brief description of it. It's a history of political correctness from 1920 to 2020. It is uh, following the leftist intellectuals who brought us along. I learned writing the book that the leftist intellectuals who created this thing called PC or wokeism know a lot more about free speech than we do and that we give them credit for. It breaks down why every step of the way we lost, in, in my humble opinion. And it does briefly sketch a way I think that we can move forward, which is to ditch this silly abstract talk about free speech absolutism, academic freedom, whatever, and start talking about uh, real substantive moral visions that necessarily will include certain ideas and exclude other ideas. We need to take what the left is doing, which is immoral and unjust and wrong, and we need to do the just, right, good version of that because they wield political power much better than we do we'd love to have you back when it comes out thank you you. and promote it and hold it up and we can talk about all those ideas it'd be great it'd be great thank you right on you also you have twitter and and yes that's true i was so focused on plugging the book (laughs) i do though you can find me on twitter for now at michael j knowles i i do have my daily show at the daily wire which is the michael knowles show I also do a show at PragerU called The Book Club. I also do a show with Senator Chad Cruz called Verdict, which is super fun. And schedules are a little tough right now, but we're hopefully going to get some new episodes out really, really soon. And uh, but you can catch you can catch all that basically at the Daily. But that's like one of the biggest podcasts in the world, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I I never thought you know, especially for that first couple weeks. 
I love Senator Cruz. I really, really like and admire the guy. I'm just saying I never thought he could hit number one podcaster. There's a lot yeah, of good yeah, podcasters yeah. out there, you know? True. And But I, I really love doing the show. Uh, I think he's bringing so much of behind the curtains of what's really going on there. So uh, we got more episodes of that show coming up, too. Right on. You can always follow me at iancrossland.net uh, and at iancrossland on all social media. Michael, this was great. Thank you, guys. The first That's hour so and a half just it. flew by. I know, so right? I'm looking forward to talking more. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Sarah Patch Lids in the corner. I push buttons. That's my job. You can follow me at Sarah Patch Lids on Twitter. Join me in my quest to have more followers than Sarah Patch Kids. We're going to go over to TimCast.com, which should be up in maybe an hour or so. But I have a feeling this conversation might go a little long. It's Friday night, and it's a really fun conversation. These are the conversations I love more than anything else is like the deeper questions. So timcast.com and we'll see you all there. Bye guys.